G'day Swellians, and welcome to Ain't That Swell, live from the Western Port Hotel down there on the southeast coastline of Vico, a true Core Lords stronghold. Water so cold, they'll make your sack look like a couple of frozen peas. <laughs> yeah, mate, it was uh, core territory, and we were down there in the very... It's one of those weird places, Vico, isn't it? You get down there, you'd expect it to be freezing. It's on the southern coast of this entire continent. But summer down there is just skits hot. Like, it's blitzing hot down there. You know, you get days that are as hot as anywhere else in the country. And, um, yeah, by the time we were down there, I think we were pretty much... This is our second last show of the Are You Kidding Me Tour. Mm. And it was a loose one, man. We went on so late, Smitty. Loose, are you kidding me? I rocked up to the venue and walked straight into a sandwich bag of gold tops plucked from the <laughs> yes. Victorian hinterland by a local doof DJ. Shout out to that man. Uh, and geez, that satchel bag of gold tops. It served me well. I had them uh, for the duration of my stay in Victoria, which climaxed it. Meredith Music Festival there. Perfect. Uh, on a, yeah, that was a night organised for me by a crew of Swellians. They're such good people, such a great community we've uh, we've created here. So shout out to Elsie and uh, Jed and Bizarro Jed and yeah. Em and yeah, all, man. Those, I, I, all that crowd. Likewise. And, uh, I was getting selfies in the, uh, in the Dunnies, <laughs> which is like, you know, quite an odd place to do a selfie. Mm. But sure, why not? Uh, it was good fun. And... Um, yeah, I remember, mate. The thing was, there's a restaurant in the Western Port, and we weren't allowed to go on until the restaurant closed. So it was like 9.30. It was so late. And from memory, I was pretty boozed. Oh, mate. I, I was listening back to it. Oh, I'm pretty boozed for yeah. this one. And I couldn't help myself. I had to tap into the satchel bag uh, <laughs> and actually ate myself a gold top. See if you can hear when it kicks in. It pinged me. It pinged me good. I remember being up on stage going, ooh, yeah, shit, there it is. Uh, the mycelium working. Mate, it's I will be magic. Keeping my eye and ear out for that one for sure. Mm. But um, memories of the night? It was a pretty, um, uh, it was a real diverse panel compared oh, to It was a diverse usual. panel, and I haven't spent that much time in Victoria, so I don't really know the ins and outs of the various provinces and the, the dialects and rivalries mm. and, uh, you know, socioeconomic class boundaries, but I learned a bit about what fucking Frankston is and what it means to be from Frankston. Thanks to former ASP head judge, Richie Porter, who was uh, my highlight of the night. Mm. I mean, he's uh, he's unafraid. He's an unafraid man. And I guess, uh, you know, you're not going to scare easy when you're from fucking Frankston. That's what I learned. Man, yeah, it's a, it's a tough town with uh, – it's got all sorts of uh, crazy history. I mean, uh, like I read a book about a serial killer in Frankston who mm. ended up going to uh, – he got caught, he went to prison, and then he became a woman. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, – not saying everyone from Frankston is, is prone to that sort of behaviour, of course, but mm. uh, no, serious stuff, mate. Mm. And, um, but, yeah, Richie was great. Uh, it was awesome to have Glyndon Ringrose on. Mm. You know, he's a, a man of faith, uh, a guy who, you know, did the tour in some pretty wild days. Mm. Like wow. raucously notorious party days. But he kept his own. He, 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 uh, he had a, a good crew on tour. I think, uh, you know, the Hobgoods were on tour when Ringo mm. was on tour. So... There was a lot of crew who, uh, you know, took, I guess, comfort 
in uh, the Lord with each other. You can only imagine time. what was going on at that time. You know, they would have been sharing hotels. Uh, and you can imagine, you know, on one side of that paper-thin wall, what was going on, just mounds of Bolivian ether wash <laughs> and all kinds of chaos. And there's Ringer and the Hobgoods holding a, a candlelit vigil, trying to just, uh, you know, saying the rosary and uh, getting that nice, deep, slow breathing and just uh, healing themselves and for the long... Mm. life ahead so yeah it's just a crazy well, contrast full credit to uh to uh ringer and and that crew to oh, find each well, other and have such an awesome support network totally at, i back at, it yeah. all, they're all absolutely beautiful people some of my favorite uh characters from my time covering the world tour the hobgood brothers absolute gents and but uh, big believers and glinden was an absolute icon what mm. a legend just so full of humility uh and just positivity so he was an absolute pleasure and some great stories. Again, I mean, we kind of delve into that wacky contrast between his lifestyle mm. and the lifestyle of some of his contemporaries. I believe there's a, a great yarn featuring the Marubra goat, Kobe Aberdon. Oh, yeah, that's a beauty. And Ringer on their way to sh- surf Shipsterns, one of and the first ever sessions. Sandy Ryan too, mate, speaking of Shipsterns, you know, like a, a guy who at one point in this podcast says, you know what I, I've discovered about life? It's really hard to die. <laughs> like that gives you a little window into, into sort of his whole, you know, just what is it? It's like a – no disrespect to Sandy, but it's like how, you know, if a drunk rolls down a flight of stairs, he'll just get up and walk off. Mm. It's, it's just that's kind of how he lives. Even though he's broken his neck, you know, unhinged every bone in his body. He's oh, just a – Impaled himself on a lava yeah. spike on uh, in South Oz there, collapsed his lung, broken ribs, nearly died. Fun, that was just before just get up come and on the surfing. So sick panel, mate. And uh, as always, you know, couldn't have done it without the uh, help of our major supporters for the live shows. Billabong, who have been with us right since the word go, right behind the live shows on your bong. And then um, custom footwear, of course, were on there. Uh, Child sunnies and road microphones. Been with us since day dot, Smithy. Day dot. There's a lot of podcasters getting out there. If you're going to start, get on the road. It's just mm. literally the easiest, best, high-quality material. But, Smithy, before we get into this ep, mate, we're going to do a mini finger buns on who our favourite riders for the bong are right now because there's fucking a heap of them, mate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely killing it, the billabongos, going so- mad <laughs> with their team. Whoever their talent scout is, pay the man a bit more. He's oh, doing yeah. a bang-up job, Vaughn. Finger buns are just sitting in a room. They're sweet and sticky and absolutely delicious. Finger buns. I think they've got a, a team movie coming out pretty soon, so that's going to be huge. Oh, they've answered my prayers. Does that mean we're going to get more hewing? Oh, yeah, give us more Number five in the Gromit category, I'm going to have to go with Scum Valley's finest himself, the inner city waterman and under 16s, I say world champ, Grayson Hinricks. Well played, Grayson. Uh, interesting to see a guy with his skills, you know, coming out of Bondi, which is a place that's been so heavily gentrified and fucked over by the global elite and uh, – <laughs> You know, like there's, uh, it's lost a lot of its grit for sure. Mm. But here's a kid from a humble, you know, kind of middle class family, 
um, who somehow managed to fashion a world-class surfing career out of what is the most crowded, torturous beach on the planet that I've ever surfed. Mm. And not only that, in a city of 5 million people, has figured out a way to feed his family off the land or the water technically. But, yeah, the kid's just swimming out there and spearing giant kingfish. He became a viral sensation after spearing a, an absolute thumper and then uh, dragging it home on his skateboard from – I think it was Bronte back to his home in Bondi, stopping in for a little macchiato on the way, like a true scum valley veteran. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, apparently the story there was his mum was in the States at the time mm. and uh, a friend in a bar tapped her on the shoulder and said, uh, have you seen this? His son is uh, in, on about a thousand different news websites. Yeah. And so uh, the news of Grayson's big catch made it all the way to uh, a strange little pub in Texas, where his mum was having a shandy. Fair income. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I went away with uh, Grayson when he was maybe 14 or 15, just turned 15. We did a little surfing world trip up the coast and it just it was just instant, man. Like you, you can see guys who are going to be good the way that they move, you know, on a wave. He's just got it. He's got that incredible, classic, goofy foot of flow that so many um, – like uh, it's in that Luke Egan sort of vein, you know what I mean? There's Luke Egan, Simon Robinson, Ryan mm, Callanan, mm. this sort of deep, deep bottom turn, beautiful sort of carve with a tail release is, is sort of like the go-to. Mm. He's got it on uh, lock. Yeah, he, I mean, if you can- and I reckon he's uh, he's he's headed for the tour, and he and I don't say that uh, you know with, by heaping pressure on him or anything like that because it just it seems inevitable. He does his head screwed on. I love what you just said about him, you know, swimming out to these outer reefs to, to spearfish. You showed me a video of him a kilometre off Bondi spearfishing by himself and a shark eats the fish off the end of his, off his spear and he's out there by himself. I said, mate, you are mad. You're absolutely mad. But don't you reckon, like, if, you're, if you've seen that sort of shit, then getting back on land and the, the things that – sway other kids around or, or kids yeah. without that sort of like strength. It's just it's just not there in him. He seems so calm. He's so connected to the ocean and so focused on living a, you know, purposeful, healthy life. Like Bondi, the eastern suburbs in generally is such a vortex of drugs and degeneracy and um, it's burned out so many talented athletes and, and minds uh, and it's really sad. But he's just nowhere near that. He's on the other end of the spectrum. Um, and, you know, if you can surf Bondi good, you can surf anywhere good. Yeah. So, And I think he has all the hallmarks that he reminds me of those kind of Floridian, um, great Floridian surfers, just flawless technique, mm. able to generate speed and absolute muck. Uh, he has all the moves, great calves, great, great pumps. Great yeah. yeah. Well, mate, I've got uh, as my number five uh, for the Super Groms, is uh, Jackson Dorian, the flying squirrel, mate. He just he he's sending it so hard off the lip. I, I can't believe it. The that weird inverted sort of uh, double three sixty corrupt five forty corrupt, oh, mate. Fucking it's what is the, he like nine years old doing well, that? I don't shit? think there's a better pool surfer do. in the world. I can't think of one. Like uh, he's just the the way that he's projecting is like full-blown Hail Mary every time and he's sticking a lot of them. I mean, we obviously we're seeing the edits, so, you know, and, and he's, he's surfing a lot of those waves. But credit where credit's due, man. Those manoeuvres are like 
you know, they're sort of like getting into a realm of of changing the game. Yeah, so changing to do the that game. When you're thirteen. Yeah, mental. How bizarre! It's so mm. odd. I mean, we uh, we've spoken about him on the program before. We saw him uh, packing, you know, like a double overhead pit at some misto Hawaiian slab when he was, I think he was 10 or mm-hmm. 11. Uh, and I think maybe Ronnie was even surfing that day and was, you know, intimidated by the waves on offer. And he was this tiny little white-haired <laughs> grom just stuffing Oh, him. mate, nothing just diminishes you as a human being more than seeing like 13-year-olds just cracking the lip and getting pitted while you're just out there basically, you know, chewing your nails to the pit. Yeah. It's demoralising in the extreme. (laughs) (laughs) The Monstro Cone Wrangler category, and I'm going to have to go for Seth Moniz. Oh, good choice. Uh, What he did at Chopu last year fucking is – in my mind, to be topped. I know, I know, Owen won the comp. I know there was epic heats out there, but for for a guy his age, you know, to a rookie, just to pack it that hard, man, he he's gonna he'll he'll be paddling toe days out there when you know they're trying to call off the comp. Mm-mm. Yeah, just hucking it on raw ones, you know, the ugly ones. Mm. Uh, it's so wild to. See. I think it's a, a very much a youthful thing and very much a Hawaiian thing. Young Hawaiians are the wildest people on planet Earth when it comes to packing monstro cone. Look who they've grown up idolising. You know, Jamie O'Brien, Bruce Irons, maybe even uh, Andy. You know, they're looking at maniacs, mate. Guys who started toying with, guys who got so bored surfing waves of mortal coneaquence that they started riding soft tops out there and stuff. You know, you're just going, of course, this next generation, your Carl Rothmans, your uh, Mackay and McNamara's. Nathan uh, Florence. Yeah, like, you know, um, who's the the other Grom who's just a – Coa Smith. Oh, there's just so many oh, of them. Oh, there's uh, – yeah. And now the, this next generation is just like skits and Seth is leading it, mate. They're I, so I think, wild. If he doesn't go close to, you know, being the best heavy water surfer on tour over the next couple of years, I'll be blown out. Mm-mm, absolutely. Blown out. Well punned. Yeah, so my choice for the Monstro Cone Wrangler is uh, Creed McTaggart. I just think uh, it, it's done without a lot of celebration. You know, Credo and the gang, they just head off into the desert. They head off to whatever slabbing reef is doing its thing, uh, often with cameras but sometimes without. And, mm. mate, the clips that he dropped last year um, along with, you know, a lot of the Rage crew was just untapped fucking Wild. Surf. Rage 3 was the uh, the feature film, wasn't it, that they put out halfway through the yeah. year. I watched the the premiere at Bangalore Pub just before the coronavirus kicked off. That must and, have been fun. And to be honest, I didn't quite realise what dwelled within Creed and Chuni. You know, I thought these guys were like highly talented free surfers. You know, being from West Oz, you know, we talked about their youthful mm. – Abandon of young Hawaiians. The only place on the planet really that holds a candle to the the movement coming out of Hawaii is West Oz. So you you know that they're going to be good in the cone. Yeah. It, no one who comes out of West Oz can't pack a monstro fucking cone. <laughs> but that film out outdid itself. That they outdid themselves in that film. Chuni and Creed are just packing cones of mortal coneaquince on misto slabs, twelve hours from the nearest good quality hospital. If you you know, get pinnacled, impaled on a pinnacle. 
Um, yeah, blew my mind. I just could And some of the shit Chuni's done at Tombstones up there, just airdrop, backside, uh, crazy shit into like, you know, we're talking 10 foot cones that would fucking kill you. Hitting the end section after getting spat out with just so much fucking nonchalance that they throw these fucking 10 foot leg breaking airs on the end bit. You know, it's just, it's a style of surfing that is, uh, so removed and so raw to, you know, the rest of what's going on. Mate, the cojones, like, the I courage think, you, know, you have to put, have. You can put Harry Bryant and, and uh, oh, for Ando sure. and uh, all those guys into this category. But but for me in the last year, Creed and Chuni have been full-blown leaders in that world. world class, just, world class. And I think that just, you know, that their whole take on surfing, what they want out of it, is mm. starting to really veer off into another direction. It's a joy to watch. It's a joy to be a part of. I'm so stoked that Billabong is supporting that genre of surfing mm. that for me is a lot more relatable. You know, it's something I enjoy doing, packing a penno with beans and uh, <laughs> an ounce of Buddha sticks and hightailing it to the desert and yeah, packing Lacone uh, until, you know, you run out of money. It's uh, one of the great Australian pastimes and uh, I'm stoked that Billabong are both celebrating it but not blowing it out nah, at the same it's good, time. mate. It's really good to no see. No names, no landmarks, minimal social media coverage. Mad. No, 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 no. Which is your favourite Billabong comp demon? Absolute comp maniac. It's got to be Idolo Ferreira, uh, the reigning world champ. And I'm just, you know, he's a guy I got to spend a bit of time with. I think I was the first English-speaking journalist to, you know, I kind of made it a point in my career to be the first English-speaking journalist to track down the, the latest uh, Brazilian sensation. You know, I was the first guy to get to Medina uh, when he was just on tour. And I did the same with Idolo. Spent a day with him over there in Marg's um, a f- couple years ago. Mm. Could barely speak English at that point, but was just the most quiet, humble character, you know, traveling with fuck all fanfare. He just had a, a bag on his shoulders and a, a quiver under his arm, um, you know, staying in a, you know, bare bones, just you, you, basically a Margaret with a bunk bed in a, just one of the, the little kind of uh, accommodation setups down there. And to see his, uh, to see where he's gone from there, how he's gone on with it. And just the, it's pure grit with your low, pure grit. Uh, you know, he has that kind of, compassion and that uh you know the way he's like handing out as soon as he cracks it and wins the title he goes home and just uh shouts his whole village christmas presents shit like that's just unbelievable oh, he's, got a, a he's great, got a heart on him he's, a, he's just a classic there's there's a great story um and i'm sure we would have told it on this potty in the past but in the lead up to the world title showdown at pipeline uh last year so gabby gets over there um, he's had that little run-in in Portugal, but he's backing himself heavily. Italo gets over there. He's just, you know, basically just living and breathing fire. Like he just wants to surf his brains out. But apparently, you know, the, the Billabong house and the Rippy house are, are not too far apart. And Italo would surf in the morning, run back up the stairs, and the second he saw Gabby paddle out, he would just – if he was halfway through a bowl of cereal, if he was eating a <laughs> banana, no, no matter what. Mid-conversation, Vaughn. Mid-convo, turn around, grab his board, do the fucking wax up and just bolt down and paddle out and sit right next to him and just fucking basically be in his field of vision, be in his energy aura, just the whole thing to the point where Gabby could not get away from him. Mm, this is mm. uh, one, of the, one of the sort of untold 
lead up stories. Mm. You know, we, we heard all about the Andy Kelly thing about mm. Kelly turning up to the Red Bull house and Andy's there and it's just, you know, the, all that tension. Mm. Well, Italo was just like it, it wasn't even um, cloak and dagger. There was nothing hot, you nah. know, hidden or anything. He's just going, Gabe's out there, fuck Ross, straight yeah, out there yeah. just in his face. And, man, I think, like if you think about that heat they had, that, that final heat, the, the ultimate showdown in the most pump and surf and Gabby just almost just capitulates yeah. emotionally. Totally. Like you never see him do that. Because it's interesting, you know, you talk about the, the Slater-Andy dynamic mm. and it's a different dynamic with Idolo and Medina because you get the sense Medina has so much respect for Idolo. You know, he sees like uh, Idolo is basically – a new and more mongrelized prototype mm. of Medina. Um, and th- there's just nothing to fuck with there with Italo. He, the self-belief is just coming out of his pores. <laughs> you can smell it on him as he walks the aisles of Foodland, oh, Vaughn. You it's, think it's the Spam Sushi, but no, that is the stench of confidence and self-belief. And uh, We're in for a, a wild time in surfing. I'll tell you, man, if the, when this tour kicks back off, it's going to be fucking on like Donkey Kong because you're going to have everyone rested, everyone chomping at the bit, no one sort of like, you know, getting a bit tired or fatigued by, you know, having done this forever. You know what I mean? We've got guys at the peak of their power, John John, Gabe, Italo, Julian's probably sitting there going, this is bullshit. Geordie would be backing himself. Mm. And it's all leading into this new format where everything starts from scratch if you're top five. Like mm. I think I think that top five thing, man, the energy that's going to give people to surf out of their skin in one day of competition mm. is huge. Well, this, this, this will be one of the best things that's ever happened to surfing. Absolutely. The guy who I want to see uh, get up there, mate, is um, Ethan. I want to see Ethan Ewing Ethan crack Ewing. Uh, the main reason being is uh, he, he's – when he first came on tour, he was so electrifying, but he just lacked the muscle. Yeah, now as, he's got as, the muscle. Mm. I want to see the mongrel as well. As did AI. We, uh, you know, qualified for tour, mm-hmm. had an absolute shocker, you know, dropped straight off, come back on and was one of the all-time greats. Yeah. And, and, and this goes for Macy Callan, uh, Macy Callan as well. I want to see Mace bring the mongrel because she's got the talent, mate. She's, mm. she's another comp. Demon who who could really trouble the top tier. She's just got to find, like Ethan, um, go beyond just being a great surfer. Become almost – what's the – who do you have to become like? You've got to be a honey badger. You've got to be like a fucking frothing mm. little animal that almost gets the Tommy Rodonigas treatment before you paddle out. That's it. Fire these guys up. Come on. Anyway, yep. that's that. They're, they're our comp choices. I think I've got uh, Ethan just marginally pipping Macy, but – Epic team there. Mm. World title challenges all over. Mm. Number two. Number two, our spirit animal in the Billabong team. This uh, is personal spirit animals, right? The swelling spirit animals. Yeah, that's right. And I'm going to have to go with Ryan Callanan, the Merryweather magician. Uh, I mean, look. I've always kind of gravitated naturally towards stories of transcendence. Mm. It's the value that I most admire in human beings. So like, you know, for example, I'll have a yarn of a taxi driver, you know, and this, I had a yarn of a taxi driver recently. The guy was from Afghanistan. Um, you know, he was, uh, he worked in the, the presidential guard there and now uh, he, 
you know, escaped that hellhole to to live in Sydney and drive taxis fucking 14 hours a day to, you know, put his two kids through school and he was just working his slot out like an absolute fucking baller. Um, so I admire that as much as I admire, you know, more than I admire someone who has come from a, you know, middle-class family, grown up on the beach and become a world tour mm. surfer. I, I tend to prioritize the Afghan cabbie <laughs> yeah. over that guy because but, I really admire transcendence. But, but when there's an ain't that swell Afghan cabbie uh, oh, special the, coming up, that's isn't right. it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, tunes into like. the show, uh, you know, religiously, so to speak. <laughs> but uh, Kalanen combines the best of both worlds. He's a guy uh, from the working class stronghold of Newcastle, uh, Merriweather to be precise, an absolute bastion of Australian surfing folklore and fucked up talent. Uh, and obviously, you know, he's experienced – uh, the depths of sadness and grief uh, mm. that are pretty much unimaginable for any young person. You know, it's so shocking what he went through losing uh, both of his parents in the space of uh, 12 to 18 months uh, separate of each other. And to bounce back the way he's done um, and just the person who he is, you know, he was a great person before that and now he is uh, – a remarkable, remarkable human being. And I, the, the talent contained within his sinewy, turbo, turned-up elastic frame mm. is mind-blowing, and I think he's going to be Australia's next great world title hopeful. He's got the talent, obviously, and now he has the mental fortitude. The guy's pretty much untouchable. The only thing that stopped him so far is getting pipped by the eventual contest and world title winners. I mean, that's he's got a high seed, so he ends up – coming up against the likes of Medina routinely at the business end. Um, sometimes he gets him, in, sometimes he doesn't. It. So. I think he's, he's got the, the moxie, the mongrel, the fucking beans, the minerals to get under Gabrielle, to get under uh, Italo, to, to, to be in the mindset of, you know, an MR-ish kind of like zen-like just mastery of what needs to be done to get the win. Totally. And I, I reckon that, yeah, I think you're bang on right there. I reckon he's a world title contender. Um, my spirit animal, Otis Carey. Absolutely love the guy. He, uh, I mean, he, he brings so much to the team uh, outside of just being a fantastic surfer, an unbelievable artist. I mean, he's fucking painted everything from – Woolies out the back of Lennox's head to Chris Hemsworth bowling alley to, <laughs> to having, you know, some of the most uh, incredible uh, just solo exhibitions, it, you know, all over the country. Selling out shows down there in the big smoke. Yeah, China Heights Gallery is a, a place where he's done a lot of work and, and people uh, are just, you know, he's able to tell stories of First Nation Australia in a contemporary way that translates to everybody. Like he is literally, man, the glue that we need to, you know, better understanding of the differences between our cultures as white Australians and black Australians, First Nations Australians, Indigenous Australians. And he has a fucking voice and he uses it, mate. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, like he, he is always on the front foot. He always approach, uh, approaches it with uh, empathy yeah, and fucking understanding, but more than anything, dude positivity and love That's like he, right. he wants to bridge the gap and it, it is through guys like him that we truly learn and i think he's probably you know he's 100 the spirit animal that fucking we all need a fascinating story i mean uh 
his mother is uh, how, how do you say the 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 tribe? Uh, Gumbengi. Yeah. Uh, she hails from that tribe. His old man is uh, just a working class spear fisherman from the mid north coast, I think. Yep. Uh, his granddad was one of the last initiated members of that tribe. Mm-hmm. His grandma, I think, was uh, forced to hide in the mangroves there um, on one of the rivers there from missionaries coming to take her away uh, as part of the, the stolen generation. Um, just on that, there's actually more more kids being taken away from Aboriginal families at the moment uh, than during the stolen generation. So uh, things have improved a lot less than they'd have you believe in this country. And despite it all, you know, Otis remains – he never loses his cool is what I really admire about him, you know. And he fucking rips, Smithy. He rips. No. Right over, mate. Down to number one. What do we got for number one? I think it is. Who is the Billabong rider having a fucking crack? Because well, you've got to have a crack, boy. You've got to have a crack. You must. Um, I'm going to go with, I mean, you talk about cojones, Vaughn. You talk about big balls. You talk about bravado. <laughs> well, this chick matches it all in caviar. The egg jam. On Laura Anava is just plutonium grade. She's packing monstro cones and having a fucking good old crack. Man, I mean, if you haven't copped Undone yet, her, her film that came out at the start of the year, it's the biggest bummer that, you know, that was meant to be touring the world on big screens. COVID put an end to that. But it, it is such a great movie, man. Get on to – I think it's on iTunes or something like that, you know, one of the um, the film streaming networks. Get on there and please watch it. It, it. It made me cry. Like the last wave of the film made me bawl my eyes out. Mm. It is fucking sensational. Incredible filmmaking. But more than anything, just watching Laura's journey, this, you know, this just this spindly little tiny creature, man. You, you, when you meet her, you can't believe it. You're too scared. You, you don't want to hug her too hard. You feel like she's – going to be like a, a small moth and just disappear into dust if you, if you gave her a decent <laughs> hug. And she's throwing herself over the ledge of, you know, Jaws, Sheepies, The Right. Um, it's just an amazing journey. Nobody has had a heart crack. And, mm. um, and I think she's, you know, she's going to be one of the most influential surfers, uh, especially for women in history. Mm. And we've been waiting a while for that female tube pig, that female slab specialist. Like Australia is absolutely chock-a-block full of the male version of that. But we're yet to really see a chick who just specializes in thick, ugly, stepping well, monstro cones of mortal. Look how quickly it's coins. coming on, though. It is coming some, on. Some it was bound to happen. Is literally, I've seen so many photos of her just packing it. And um, this is because of Laura. D- direct result, no question. Some I mean, long no, bottom, one of the uh, Macaulay girls from over in West Oz oh packing God. huge cones yeah. at Toomey's and stuff. Mental. So it's, it was an, an inevitability that we would see this first wave of feminist tube pigs. Um, and it's going to be an exciting time. because I was chatting to a, a friend of mine, Mel Mad, just a, like a crazy – talented uh, Australian surfer chick and she mm. was saying that like, you know, it's, it is kind of rare to see chicks getting stand-up pits um, and that has been the case for, you know, it happens every now and then. Tyler Wright obviously being the the most notable mm. at uh, P-Pass there and Honolulu Bay and stuff but I think we're going to see a lot more of it, a lot more women in the lineup. 
strapping the gaff on and just packing well, mate, I was Lacone. Even um, not so long ago I was surfing a, a, a wedgie right break wall not too far from here. You know the wave. You you were surfing mm. it recently. It's, it's not an easy wave. It's a huge wedge. Uh, if there's a bit of swell around, it's like – you know, you can really spend a lot of time getting rolled around on the sand underneath Hawaiian-style power. And, and one of the most technical drops in surfing, that one. And the wedge really doesn't help well, you out. Pasha Light was out there just fucking giving it some. <laughs> like, giving it a wild crack. And amongst, some. Give it some! <laughs> giving it, giving it some. And, um, yeah, man, I was blown away by basically her facial expression when she was surfing. She was taken off on these TPs. That you get in the wrong spot, you are going to get so pulverized, and she's just laughing as she's coming off the bottom. Um, so yeah, there's there's um, you know in in uh, the wake of what Laura's doing, there is just this entire movement happening, and it's it's happening around the world. But I think in Australia, like you know, with the slabs that we've got, it, it's pretty awesome. So yeah, having a crack on your Laura, Go that's just so good. And a special offer, Smivy, if you're a swellian and you have a young daughter who surfs or a girlfriend who surfs or maybe your mum surfs, we have personally signed copies of Undone to give away. So that's the book that accompanies um, Laura's film. So if you contact us on the Insta DM, the Swellian, and um, let us know that you want a copy, we can get Laura to personally sign that to your family member. Kidding me? Yeah. I'm mad. So uh, she's offered to do that. So uh, if you want to get a copy of that for someone you love who, who loves surfing, loves Laura, um, you can just contact us on the DM. We'll get that out to you. Bury your beak in Undone and then sack up, take a teaspoon of egg jam and have a fucking crack. The team's so legendary, isn't it? Shane Dorian. I mean, Oki and Parker, they're just... They're the gods. They're the swell-in gods. We don't walk even, up starts. Don't even need to mention them. Uh, Felicity Parmentier, she she deserves a mention. Dakota Walters and Jai Glinderman, you know, a yeah. couple of other young Aussies. North Coast ripping. style masters. Jack Freestone, mate, you deserve a mention. I'm sorry I didn't throw you in for me. Jacko, uh, if you're listening, mate, uh, hope you're doing all right over there on the pan flat Kauaian coast. Big Apparently he's, uh, he's been marooned there. No, well, the whole so. country's just been getting. Alana, oh, just looking at Instagram every day, looking at his mates getting spat out of hollow pits. Oh, it's been one of the best winners on uh, record. Apparently, Jack's been passing his time with his head wedged in the armpits of local uh, Hawaiians and Brazilians at the Jiu-Jitsu Dojo. Jeez, he's uh, he's You've got to do something, Vaughn. He's going to come back pretty much. You know, instead of like surfing heats, he'll pull on the rashi and just want to wrestle on the sand, won't he? Mm, Something like that. I don't know. Um. Honorary mention, Isabella Nichols, Aiton Osborne, Finn McGill, Josh Moniz. Mate, there's hundreds of them. Sick team. Mad team. There you go. A little walk down uh, through the honour roll. Let's do it, Smithy. Let's crack into Ain't That Swell live in San Remo. Hey, uh, well, first of all, I'd like to say, and I ASB going to find me, because I want to be a part of this fucking jump. Want to be Kenny's tour. You know, I think they got their testicles so far up their mouths that this is bullshit, you know? I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm just thinking about having won the world title and, and hopefully trying to win another one someday. You just drop in and just smack the pull back. Drop down. Say, bah! Well, I'll tell you, Stu, I did battle some humongous waves. Oh, custom table thing? Oh, surf looks good, Ivan. Not bad. 
Ain't that swell with Jed and Vaughn? Oh, those guys are back! <laughs> yeah, shredheads, waxheads, kooks, and barnies. Welcome to Ain't That Swell Live. I'm your host for this evening. The two-time Gold Cone Peace Award-winning surf journalist, the punch-drunk Pikey, the Sultan of Psilocybin, Scum Valley's finest himself, Samivi. And this here is my loyal co-host and friend, Vaughn Dead, frontman of the Goons of Doom, former editor of Waves Magazine, Tracks Magazine, Surfing World Magazine, Vaughn Deadly. How art thou? Thou art excellent. Good to be in San Remo. Thanks for having us all the way down here. <laughs> Fucking Stokes, baby. It's very mad to be here. And, uh, mate, I don't know, San Remo, I haven't spent a whole lot of time down here. Done a couple of stints with me old mate Ravi, the, uh, the Indo cred and the one palm tube ping on your Ravi. Don't know where he is. Probably getting coned somewhere. But uh, apart from that, man. I haven't spent that much time down here. Um, you know, I wish I had done more time, but I always seem to get stuck at the Doan Clinic at Gippsland there. Uh, I mean, not, not actually the Doan Clinic, uh, the methadone clinic, but the, 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 the toilet next to it. Uh, mate, fucking, uh, yeah, you can get a, uh, a hit in a heady for less than a pineapple. It's unbelievable. It's, uh, yeah. Real problems there, Smithy. More problems. bang for your Bart than CoPP, Vaughn. Are you kidding me? Wow. <laughs> Mate, uh, my experience, yeah, I'm the same. I haven't spent a whole lot of time down here. I came down years and years ago for an ACC event over on the island and uh, saw Simon McShane fucking flare the fuck out of the joint. Is he here? Local lord. It's bright up here. But, yeah, other than that, uh, uh, Simon Chipper and Eli Curry, two of my uh, all-time favourite people from this region. And... uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a sick place, but my knowledge of the place is bad, mate. I know, I know the point. I know Vic Hislop caught some award-winning shark out here. Uh, I know there's other great stuff going on, but the thing that I know most is that there's actually fuck-all chicks on Phillip Island, and <laughs> I think that, like... Last time I was down here, which wasn't that long ago, I heard that the government was putting forward this plan to maybe make the third or fourth born Fahafinis, like in Samoa, where you you raise and identify the third or fourth born as a woman, just to even the ledger a little bit. I've seen it done. A couple of coconuts uh, as the bra, and uh, you just strap it in behind. You'd yeah. be surprised. <laughs> it works. But, uh, yeah, no, look, it's a magic place. Fuck, there's some core lords down here, oh, man. Oh, man, we're about to speak to a couple. I'm, I'm super psyched to get Glyndon Ringrose uh, on the stage here. Just an all-time cosmic Spiro tube pig. Uh, talk a bit of uh, religiosity and spirituality with him. Uh, we need it. He's, he's a devout, a pure man, a man, a man of God. And uh, myself as well, Vaughn, you know, I grew up in a, a, ca- a Catholic family from the bush, uh, so I can relate to that on some level. In fact, I actually brought a bit of uh, Catholic folklore from uh, out my Uh-oh. way, out Forbes' way, if anyone would like to hear it. Would you like to hear it, Swillians? So um, <laughs> this is a story that reflects both on the compassion of Christ, but also uh, carries a warning that, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And uh, the story goes, you know, it's the end of year Christmas dance, right? It's like Christmas mass, but, you know, you've got your little kind of folk dance. And uh, 
there's two people who can't get a date. You know, they they got no partner, and it's not surprising why the woman uh, she's a bit, a little bit disfigured. She has kind of like vertical lips uh, instead of horizontal lips. Her lips are kind of running up her face. And uh, this poor bloke, you know, he's uh, he's suffered a farm accident and he's got a wooden eye. So, um, you know, can't get a date. Neither of them can get a date. And uh, they arrive at the mass, at the at the dance. And uh, they're both there without a date, so the guy, he plucks up the courage, you know, and he goes over to the lady, and he says to her, would you like to dance? And she goes, wouldn't I? And he goes, don't call me, wouldn't I, cunt face? <laughs> That's some uh, old school Catholic folklore there for you. My, my mother told me, told me that uh, parable when I was 10 years old. Oh, mate, that was classic. Let's get into it. Let's get our first guest up here. He was the child of Christian missionaries who spent his earliest years running naked through the tropical turquoise shorelines of the South Pacific like a young Christopher Atkins from Blue Lagoon. Returning to Australia, he learned to surf in the mid-north coastal town of Port Macquarie, famous for legends like Marcus Brabant, Michael Caine, Mick Campbell, and the dick-dragging Shanghai walnut himself, Michael Epo Eppleston. But it was when he moved to Phillip Island that the kid began to turn the dial on a pro career that would eventually see him become Blokes Island's greatest export. In a short but fabled CT stint, he nailed one of surfing's most iconic 10-point rides, sharing a drainer of chopes with Jake Patterson that needed a miracle to pull him through. Thankfully, he's always had God on his side, and he returned from the tour to his beloved island surfboards, shaping, coaching Victorian juniors, and becoming one of the best sea drivers in the business, most notably ripping the 44 off the button in a memorably huge and stormy 2019 Rip Curl Pro. He's the holy man backside Nooners, the Padre of Express Point, the vicar with the island sticker. Please welcome Glendon Ringer Ringrose. So how'd you end up here in uh, Phillip Island? You know, look, tell us a bit about uh, how it all unfolded for you. Originally, I was in Port Macquarie, but before that, I was born in Vanuatu. I went from Vanuatu to Fiji to the Solomon Islands, then to Port Macquarie. So that's pretty much where I learned to surf. And then Phillip Island when I was 17. As soon as I got my New South Wales Peas licence, my brother moved to um, Mansfield and he'd explored a bit of the Victorian coastline. He said, mate, this, this place called Phillip Island is insane. There's waves all the way around it. You've just got to go down there. So here I am. How's things been lately? Well, yeah, um, yeah, shaping boards, island surfboards, been there for 25 years. Fucking institution, island surfboards. <laughs> Mad. And, um, you know, driving the odd ski for the odd event, you know, originally, well, last year it was Quickie Pro, a couple of years before it was Fiji, and I've done a few search events, and obviously Bells. Yeah, Bells is the main main one down here that I, I get to jump on and, and ride and have a mm. lot of fun doing it, I'll tell you well, that. Yeah, we want to pick your brain on that in a minute, but before we do, let's get our second guest up, Smivy. The only thing on Phillip Island more local than Sandy Ryan is the waddle of chubby little flightless birds in tuxedos who, like Sandy, call the tunes home after a big night. Born and raised in the island surf shop, 
Sandy quickly took a fanatical liking to trying to dismember his own body, be it on the reefs of Cloudbreak, where he worked as a lifeguard alongside Shane Dorian and Dave Wassell, or on the mutant slabs closer to the home that had long been deemed unrideable. But it was when he struck up a friendship with Tasmania's most famous Greek export, Muddy the Moose Paradisus, that an entirely new commitment to big wave lunacy ensued. He's since taken on every heavy water slab in Australia, and despite breaking numerous bones, puncturing lungs, and copping deep sea drillings that make BP look like the appendix they are, he still maintains it's actually pretty hard to fucking die. Light a match and stop your feet for Sandy Ryan. Clearly, Sandy, you've got your faculties. You're doing well there, mate. This is... What hurt more, this wave or... or did that actual bridge story go down? Oh, the, the public, public speaking's actually the worst, but... Um, <laughs> no, no, the, the, well, that was after the bridge. So I, um, I was on the boat just doing, like, gaffer tape around my neck to make sure it was, it was OK. Yeah, no, I used a few... Um, bit of a... La- uh, yeah, sports tape, yeah. Just so so you weren't times. fully recovered when you took off on that thing? You were still, like, a bit stiff oh, in the it, old... It was, it was about... Um, I think that was in May. I, I broke my neck in January. So, so I was fresh, but it was, it was all right, yeah. <laughs> I, I love the way that you say, yeah, I, I'd broken my neck in January and... By May, I was surfing ship's turns. How, talk us through breaking your neck, though. What, how did that unfold? Well, I was uh, well, I was practicing for those wipeouts, and I thought I'd just, you know, on your way home from here, just, um, <laughs> just uh, <laughs> heading back to the island, and you just, uh, I just love water, and you just like, <laughs> oh, why not? Yeah, no, yeah, no, but um. Yeah, it probably wasn't a good night to do it, but um, one of my mates from Torquay, he'd, he'd never done it, and, and he, he was had a bit of a shark phobia, so he didn't want to jump in and just be down there on his own and just thinking, you know, Jaws is yeah. after him. And you're like, you don't have to worry about sharks, mate. Look at me go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I just, um, yeah... Uh, yeah, he said, oh, as soon as I jump, just jump straight after me, you know, because I don't want to be down there on my own. And I was like, yeah, no worries, yeah. But he jumped, and I'm like, well, I'm going to land on him. My only hope is to clear him. So I've gone like that, done sort of like an Elvis or something, and then when you're like 20 metres up doing that, all of a sudden you just go like that, <laughs> and then like that, and then, yeah, it, it happens, yeah. Really? It was just the impact with the water. That... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, like, I, approached the water like this. I do remember Sandy talking about it. He said all he could see was the lights disappearing to the distance. Yeah. <laughs> That's never a good sign. You're meant to go towards the light, not away from it, mate. <laughs> True. Yeah, just yeah. to clarify as well, that doesn't just happen. That's not something that most of us oh, the, have in, happened in our in, lives. Well, in my life, it, it just does, yeah. You just... You just... <laughs> And what was like, how do you come back from that? How close were you to being a, a quadriplegic and, and what was the rehabilitation well, process like? Uh, well, I, I just sort of laid on the ground for a while with my ambulance membership on the table and then, um, and then everyone's like, oh, no, nah, let's, let's go make some toasted singers. And I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, about 22 hours later... I walk into the hospital and then go, oh, yeah, I've got a... My, my neck's a little bit tender. And they, uh, they put, like, uh, the neck brace on and then um, said, uh, yeah, we might get a scan on that one. And then um, they did the scan and then they, 
just started freaking out, going, oh, my gosh, you know, just lie down, you know, yeah, we're sending you to Melbourne, um, you've broken your neck. <laughs> and it was like, wow, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> and so just to get this straight, you were actually, the car was moving, right? Uh, oh, no, no, well, well, uh, it wasn't out of a car, you know, I just... just went like that yeah but the, the car does do a good effect <laughs> I, I, when I was young I wanted to do like a James Bond sort of off a bus or something and you just run and you know go like that but, but yeah right. you, you kind of fulfilled those uh, lofty ambitions mate I mean James Bond didn't fucking jump off the step at Chippies he was a fucking dog mate <laughs> <laughs> you're way more psycho than Bond dude I'm pretty sure Bond's just an actor as well yeah yeah <laughs> I, I, I might become his stunt double maybe yeah <laughs> Mate, well, glad you're okay, Sandy. That's awesome. We're going to get stuck into your life in a minute, but we're going to get our third guest up as well right now. For well over a quarter of a century, our next guest sat in a small box with five other stinky, hairy, sweaty men and watched other people surf as a full-time job. Are you kidding me? That's enough to send a Tibetan high priest on a murder spree. As head judge of the ASP World Tour, he made goals that created legends and ended careers, that crowned champions and put the heel on the neck of one of the pretenders. He helped oversee the transition of the ASP to the new look Wuzzle, and he robbed McFanning of a fourth world title when he handed Gabe Medina the most reprehensible 5.17 in the history of pro surfing. Only joking, not really. I still can't sleep at night thinking about it. And he also returned the floater back to its mantle as the most progressive turn in surfing when he handed Adriano D'Souza a win over Owen Wright in shithouse Brazilian closeouts. But let's be fair, in all seriousness, he has the hardest job in pro surfing. And despite the flying muffins, the shaken scaffoldings, the whinging from pro surfing prima donnas, he somehow backed himself to get the job done and deliver the best surfers to the crown come the end of the season. He's Frankston's finest, the deliverer of 33,011 4.17s, and he's the former hedge judge who's here to clear up a couple of hell. Bundles. It's Richie Porter. I mean, judging by the reactions of the Swellians on social media, this is one of our most uh, sought-after guests that 100%. we've ever had. They've been going absolutely mad. And, I mean, you know, the words online bullying and, uh, you know, know-nothing, clueless white dog get thrown around all too loosely these days, Vaughn. But, uh, man, this guy, you know, he's felt it. He's felt the wrath of the surfing commentary. He's felt the wrath of fucking every kind of hardcore gnarly surfer uh, that was on tour all through, what, the late 90s, early noughties? But at the same time... That was a harrowing period for world tour surfing. There was some psychos doing the rounds. Sonny Garcia, Andy Irons, Dustin Barker, just to name a few. And uh, he stared them all down and he's given them all 4.17s. Hey, Rich, uh, welcome. (laughs) Uh, as well as all the shit you had to cop over the years from the public and from surfers, let's not forget you did crown world champions, you did make legends happen, and there was also, you know, some really magic stuff there. So, I mean, it's both sides of the sword for a bloke like you. How long's it been since you, uh, since you left the tour? Uh, left judging start of, well, Pipe 17, 2017 was my last event, and uh, left the WSL the end of June, I was an advisor from, that's a good way to say, garden leave, <laughs> finished judging, 
be an advisor. But uh, yeah, so it's a couple of years now. So no connections to the WCL at present? Pardon me? No connections to the WCL Not one. at present? Yes, yes. Let's get the fucking dirt going. <laughs> That's what we want to hear. Some, uh, some good mates that might get a bit crushed later nah. on, but they, they don't come to Blokes Island, so that'll be right. Uh, mate, you're from the right side of the coast, the good side of the coast. Where we have women and don't jump off things, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mate, um, just give us, give us the word. What have you been up to? What's been filling your time since you left tour? Uh, I've been doing a few judging seminars, which is kind of weird because I don't really have any interest in it, but, um, you know... <laughs> Telling stories, working in events, so doing the same sort of work, but just not around a beach, just corporate events for a company in town, DG Global, good, they run good events. So, yeah, it's been nice. good. It's nice. been a change. 22 just, years of judging is enough by far. Well, I want you to put your judging cap back on just for one second because we're going we're gonna to get deep. But in the last two days, a pretty major du- judging blunder went down, right? Jack Robbo threw his board in the face of Zeke Lau. I just want you to pretend you're head judge again. So Zeke pulls in. This is right at the start of the final. Jack throws his board. Zeke runs over it. Pretty clear interference. (laughs) Uh, Both guys actually had to win the comp to qualify. How do you read this one? It's a really good tactic by Jack, right? Oh, no shit. Chuck your board in the way of the guys. But hang on. Have a a look at the size. What uh, You could almost duck dive that. He could on that board. What but are you he, telling he, the boys going, if you're still in there? It's, I, no, I wouldn't have done it. I would have gone, shit happens. It's one of those. Adam Melling and Owen Wright at J-Bay a few years ago, same thing happened. Where's he going to go? He could duck dive, I'll give you that. But it's a bit nasty to duck dive in that spot, and it comes up really quick at you when you're sitting there. The TV, as I always use my get-out-of-jail-free card, yeah. the TV never does it justice. So what you see is not quite what it is. But well, just to play devil's advocate for a second, one thing I've noticed, you know, you spend a bit of time in the water around these guys, and, you know, there's no coincidences. Like, these guys are so tuned in to what's going on out there. It's hard to believe that he accidentally ended up in his way. And for also, like, even the fucking... Most classic kook uh, or Barney knows you paddle towards <laughs> towards the foam, not for the exit of the tube, right? But he did he, he did it he did it well though because you watch his feet, he's kicking, so he's he's showing to the judges, I'm really really trying, really really trying. Oh no, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to throw my board away. And oh look out, Zeke, oh we're both screwed. But better you minus, don't get the eight five, and we're on even Stevens. Zeke, Zeke will be back. It's a ballsy move to pull that in Hawaii, though, on the North Shore, though, isn't it? Like, I mean, Zeke the freak, he's an intimidating character. He's kind of like the new school Sonny Garcia. And he, Jack has essentially knocked him off tour with what is borderline gamesmanship. Um, uh, you know, you're not pulling that in the early noughties, are you, Richie? If that was the real deal, Sonny Garcia, you reckon you... That's, that's what I'm saying. If you, if you do it, like Ringer would know, you come in, you're going to get smacked on top of getting run over by him. But... um. You know, like, they like Jack over there. He's spent a lot of time in the water since he's a little kid. He's got a lot of respect, and he's obviously one of the best barrel riders in the world. So not the best duck diver, obviously, but he's on tour now, <laughs> and it's, it's good for him. And it swings and roundabouts. This happens every year. It's like, oh, so sad, William Cardoso, off tour forever. Oh, versus Jack Robinson on tour for the next 10 years and watch me get barreled. Fucking oath. And just for the record, love the kid, mate. Maddest tube pig going. Can't wait to see him at Gradge again and Chopes and uh, wherever else. But um, And a lovely kid, man. So fucking the yeah. future is looking very bright for surfing and it's looking very hamad. So. Four Aussies qualifying this year. I think a round of applause for those guys. That was huge. 
Well done, let's get stuck into it. Glendon Ringrose, this is your life, my friend. Oh. Mate, tell us about this region and what makes it so fucking cool. Well, you know, like, when I first came here, as, as you guys have mentioned before, I got in a lot of trouble for saying what you guys just said. The F word? Calling it Bloke's Island. Oh, Bloke's Island, oh. okay. Come on, that's, that's what <laughs> it's called. Richie knows that I, I had to go over to his coast to actually find a woman. And, uh, yeah, she did. You stole one of our finest, so good job you. <laughs> no, like, Phillip Island's been a pretty awesome place. You know, like, there, there's, there's a great bunch of people who live here and, uh, and, and a great bunch of surfers too. And, and, and the regional area as well. Like, you got, you obviously you got, you know, you know, Wonthaggy and Inverloch and, and further south, you know, Sandy and, and, and down that way too. There's a bunch of boys here from down that way. So, um, you know, the, the region is awesome. You know, there's a whole bunch of really good people and, uh, and we, got, we got a huge variety of waves. And that, I think that's the reason why we, we, love, we love it here, mm. you know. Can I pick your brain on something for a sec? Like, the surfers here are f- maniacs. They all know how to, like, pull in. They all know how to ride reefs. They rip. Why aren't we seeing Victorians represented on tour, do you think? Uh, there, there has been a few. Yeah, there's been a few, but... <laughs> well, yeah. you know, you've got you to remember as a grommet growing up in Victoria, you know, do you want to put a pair of booties on, a hood on, a 4-3 and go and battle? You, know, you saw the wind today. The wind's howling. You know, we got that 80 90% of the time, you know, so the grommets don't get that opportunity from a real young age to surf right through winter, and, and usually a lot of our waves are pretty tra- challenging and pretty solid, so we're really searching for grommet locations to actually to find waves for them to surf. But yeah, talk to us about your introduction to surfing, Ringer, like, uh, you know, where you grew up, who got you into it, who your big influences and heroes were? You know, Port Macquarie initially was where I learned to surf, and my influences from there... You know, I hung out with uh, Mick Campbell a bit, off and on. And, uh, what Mar- was Campbell like back Marcus in those days? Band. Oh, he was so good. Still, still the same. <laughs> he hasn't really changed. He was just a bit more of a grommet, you know. So, um, you know, I, I, Marcus Baband. I don't know if anyone remembers Marcus Baband or um, there, was, there was a few guys from that area who, who were pretty predominant, you know, surfers. And, and uh, you know, I grew up there initially got a start to surfing and I pretty much came here when I was 17 so and then competed pretty much through the board riders like Phillip Island board riders is one of the best places you can possibly start you know yeah Phillip Island there's a whole lot of them here you know like for me that was that was a great stepping stone a whole bunch of good mates and you know down the beach hanging out going surfing wrestling on the beach you know and and just messing around and good good competition and you know, and, and, you know, a lot of these guys, Philip Island guys uh, in this region, are, are really good surfers. And, and there was, you know, like you mentioned, Simon McShane and Black Hat and Sandy, uh, a, a bunch of, bunch of surfers who I sort of grew up with and we all pushed each other more. You know, we all challenged each other. And then, and then uh, as, as you did that, you just expanded and, and went on from it. And when did you realise, uh, you know, you might be able to make a career out of this? Well, it was, it was hard. I, I started pretty much on the, um, you know, doing a few state rounds, 
competed in the couple of Aussies. I did a few pro. I did, did the Narrabreen Pro Junior with Matt Hoy and and uh, Luke Luke Egan, you know. And I think I made it through to the round before quarters, sort of thing, you know. So so I was always sort of in the ball game, but I never really took it on until I sort of. It was just—it was a stepping stone. Every little bit I did was a stepping stone. I, I went from uh, ACC, you know, ACCs were huge, as as uh, Vaughan mentioned. Went to the ACCs. I was hanging That's out, uh, made the finals, and and Luke Luke Hitchings actually said to me, he goes, "Oh, are you going to do the QS next year?" And I thought, well, you know, why not? Let's do the QS. So, so it was it was really because of Luke Hitchings talking to me and going, "Look, you know, do you." let's do the QS. So I went, okay, let's do the QS. And it was all just stepping stones, bit by bit by bit until, you know, but always challenge myself every event, make three heats, make three heats, make three heats. And, and, and in three years, I ended up at that point of qualifi- qualifying, you know. Yeah, right. And I mean, you're doing the QS in the, what, it's like this, the early 90s, mid 90s, right? I mean, and pro surfing at this point was radically debaucherous. You'd um, developed a, a relationship with God, obviously. Can you talk to us about, you know, when God come into your life and how you balanced out your spirituality with what you were seeing around you, like the environment around you? Yeah, well, you know, like, I guess Slater had come into it and he'd been a little bit more focused on, you know, healthy living, surfing, you know, just, and he, pretty much he was my age sort of thing. So, so it was, it wasn't as, as a bigger thing to actually come in and, and, and try and live a little bit, I mean, we all got caught, like, you know, but, you know, even, even me being a good Christian, I still got caught in the party scene a bit and hung out with people and, and, uh, there's a few laughs over here. <laughs> Look out. Oh, sounds like they've seen you sinning, mate. I mean, for me, my faith has always been a part of me. I grew up as that missionary child. You know, I, I, I pretty much, you know, um, as a young kid, you know, in a, in a Christian family, I always believed that, you know, Jesus was the only way for me, you know. And, and each and every one of us have that decision or, or pathway to choose whatever choose or, or direction people want to choose but I felt it was right for me and and personally I really uh, you know I, I felt a lot of connection and a lot of uh, strength in it you know like I, I always had someone you know to call on you know like you know I, I guess there was a verse I, I used to memorize in my head you know when I was scared and it was Psalms 34:4. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from not any fears but all my fears you know and I, I recite things like that in my head which which seemed to give me a lot of strength and a lot of confidence and 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 uh and I'd see things happen you know that for me was supernatural maybe for other people it would think it was luck but for me I'd see it happen supernaturally you know even even the point of me qualifying you know it was you know, I was just a Phillip Island kid or a kid that was all from a missionary kid from all over the world. And here I was, just surfed my way through the tour and qualified, you know, not really well known at all. Not a, I didn't, I wasn't an outstanding pro junior or I wasn't a Matt Hoy or a, or a Luke Egan. I wasn't Mark Ocalupo, but, but here I was, ended up in the mix with all of them, you know, and beating them all at times as well. So I was, I was, you know, I, I, I put it down to my faith a lot. You know, it was a huge part of my life. And talk to us about being a missionary child, like uh, growing up in these kind of Pacific and uh, Melanesian nations. Uh, yeah, man, I'm interested to know what that was like. 
Well, I mean, as a kid, you're a kid. You know, I remember running around with, with the Fijian kids and, and I was just a kid and we were just kids. I didn't see any difference between me and them. I mean, uh, I didn't look at myself in the mirror all the time, so I, I just felt like I was one of them and we were running around having a good time. And then I actually found it harder transitioning coming to Australia where I felt like I remember seeing all these, going to school the first time and there was all these white kids and I was like, wow, I was really shy and, and, and felt like it was quite a hard challenge. I guess I was 11 um, or so, so I kind of felt a bit intimidated, I guess, at that sort of point, age where you're sort of just starting to mature. But, yeah, it was quite, quite a transition. But, like, as a kid running around, you're just a kid, so it was fine. Mate, um, I've got a funny story that I want to bring up, and there's no point to it, so please uh, take it for what it is, but... Years ago, when I was editing Waves, you went on a trip to Shipstern's Bluff with Kobe Abaddon. And on the boat out to the break, it's quite a heavy, meaty day, and you're sitting on the boat with him, and you look down, and he's got this bleeding knee because he just got a fresh tattoo of the devil's head on his knee. <laughs> and um, That's our Kobe. And, and this, is, this is how Kobe tells me the story. Glyndon looked at me, and he just said... Do you know what you've done? <laughs> like, is that the devil? And Kobe was like, <laughs> "Yeah, man, it's just a sick drawing. Don't worry about it." <laughs> anyway, um, he said that you two had this uh, conversation, and then uh, he was kind of like just playing it down, but you were concerned about him. <laughs> but then when the photos came in, uh, I saw like maybe half a dozen shots of Kobe just standing in barrels <laughs> like this. And the only shots of you were, like, caught on the button just getting fucking annihilated. <laughs> Absolutely smashed to smithereens. Now, can I tell you my side of the story? <laughs> and I couldn't help but think to myself. Do, do you know we turned up on the boat and we sat there for a long while with Kobe and all the rest of the boys? None of them wanted to go out. Waiting for the swell to drop. None of them wanted to go out. And I said, I haven't come all this way not to go out. So I got my board out and paddled out there. I had two bombs. No cameras out, mind you. Two good waves. All of a sudden, they're all jumping in the lineup. It's unless the camera was out. (laughs) Yeah. I was so close. I was, I was trying to get Kobe to send the video of the story. It would have been amazing. But anyway, look, the, uh, the other, you know, getting back to miracles that do happen in the surf, I don't think you can go past this particular wave that happened in a heat. Tell us the story of this. Hey, Rich, were you on tour when this wave happened? It was this when is... they were sitting in the boat. They had to judge from the boat because yeah. the tower got washed down. Yes. So you, you, okay. Yeah, I see you this day. I missed that. I didn't see that. I was looking at my shoes. Oh, that's not, uh, no, that's not like no a judge to miss a wave. No, no interference. <laughs> hey, um, Ringer, take, no us, interference. take us through, take us through this, uh, this wave, because this is obviously one of the greatest tens of all time. I think in the history of surfing, <laughs> they don't really get much better. Well, we were out in the... It was a three-man heat. It was Pedersen, Rosa, and uh, obviously, you know, Jake myself. I'd pretty much had a couple. Pedersen had a couple. Jake had a couple. And I remember taking off in this big one and, and uh, pulling in, but not making it, getting clubbered. Big set behind it. 
you know, washed me right in. I was standing on the reef. This is the first year jet skis came in. So the ski came in, picked me up. We went for this radical ride across the reef. It was like skimming across, you know, a reef that was just looked like it was going to kill you if you came off. All the way around, like it was, they didn't go back out, you know, like they would now. They went all the way, all the way around the loop, out the back. So I got back out of the back and I was still rattled from, from the ski ride. I, I felt like I hadn't really been on a ski. This is the first time I'd been on a ski. And I was rattled from the ski ride going, wow, that was gnarly. I was going so fast, felt like I was going to get flung off at any moment. Got out there, jumped in the water and I was just paddled into the lineup, just trying to calm myself down, going, okay, there's only you know, a couple of minutes left. And I paddled into the lineup. And I was, Jake, obviously Jake and Pedersen were in front of me and they both got waves and then I was sitting there waiting. And, and I'd, sort of, I'd, I'd sort of surfed it a bit. I'd surfed the year before, which I got really killed. And, uh, but I'd surfed it a bit, so I kind of had my lineups and I understood the wave a bit. And I remember this wave coming going, this looks like a good one. And I remember turning, paddling my guts out, not really looking down the line, but at, I, I was committed and I see Jake, you know, a good five metres it felt like away from me. And he, I was like, what is he doing? And he was paddling, <laughs> seriously paddling for the wave. I'm like, what is he doing? And, and in my head it just went, oh, he's going to get an interference. So I just went, I'm committed. And I went... And I remember taking off, holding my line, and where he took off, there was a big white water ball. And I remember hitting the white water ball. It's, it nearly, it knocked me right down. And I remember holding on the, I remember coming through and the lip was scraping my head. <laughs> and I remember holding on, the lip was scraping me, and I was like, I've got to hold this. And I remember finally getting over onto my toes. And then, then I remember just standing in this barrel and all I could see was Jake's white water line just sprinkling and it was just sprinkling water and all I could see was this line going over. Wow. That is mental. And I came out with so much speed. Well, Jake actually did a little high line and a little drop down and then, then, he, then he decided, oh, this is over and he kicked out and I, I was a bit worried that he was doing it. But I came, it came out with so much speed and because the wave wrapped a little bit more so I sort of travelled a little bit further in the barrel and I came out with so much speed and the judge's boat was right there. I had to really turn hard not to hit the judge's boat. What? So, and, and as I turned and, and everyone just erupted in the channel and I was just like, wow, that is the best feeling ever. That is so fucked up. Give him another round of applause. That is massive. I'm interested to know, like, what did Jake have to say about all this? Well, I mean... You can't talk to him about it. (laughs) You cannot talk to him. He's like, oh, I I don't think Jake even knew until they screamed. And then he, like, he was like, what are they all screaming about? And he turned around and then he saw me skipping out. And I I looked back at him and I just saw him put his head down and just paddle back out. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, So you got a 10, though, Ringer, right? Yeah. So there's no interference. What's the interference? I heard that. But I thought they did give him an interference. No, but that's wrong, right? <laughs> I wasn't there. It's the wrong year. I thought you were talking about when the boat we were in the boat another year, but that was the year Kobe won, or did he? Conan, no, that was Kobe. the year. Oh, that yeah, was yeah, the year you there, you, you've been there since the start. Like yeah, the, even in yeah. this comp, Chopes was unknown. Yeah, but and, you got washed. You've had been on a boat that got washed. Washed the reef. Yeah, with Big Al and, and all those yeah. guys. And the year Kobe slash Conan won. Yeah. Anyway, you can ask Kobe who won. But if he gets a ten, how's it an interference? You can't get any more than the 10, and it says you've got to hinder his score, right? Helped him. Should 
Yeah, you know? I agree. But, but th- these days you wouldn't give it. I wouldn't give it. If you get a 10, no, no. Really? You wouldn't yeah, give the interference? C- carry on, nothing to see here. Well, no wonder you're not working for the WSL yeah, anymore. Exactly. <laughs> Fair point. Apathy's a wonderful joy to have. But Ria, what was the theory to tackling chopes in these days? Because, you know, it, was, it just come on the map. I mean, I'm pretty sure like the boards you're riding are a lot longer than what they're, they're using out there these days. And just in terms of taking it on, like, fuck, man. It was a wild joint. Yeah, I, I remember this year he was talking about when the boat went on the thing and, and, uh, and, and everything just... It was the first year we really saw it real big with Kobe. And I remember one of those mornings... I remember I was staying in a house right at, right at the uh, River Creek and I remember getting up early, putting my spare board on my leg and paddling out in the dark. All I could see was the marker boy on the way out and I hadn't really seen it big. I'd seen it like six foot, just perfect, so you could just take off and stand in these perfect barrels. And, and it was, you know, it reminded me, have you guys, has anyone heard of the machine at Nias? Have you heard of the machine? It's a wave on the inside of Lagundi Bay. And it was a small version of Chopes until the earthquake came and you know, brought it up. So yeah, it's gone now. But, but it, you could take off and you could feel secure in the barrel even though you're so deep because the thing would hit a, hit a corner and get more hollow and slow down. I mean, we've all seen it. So you, you could feel really safe. And as long as you made the drop and got in the barrel, you just had to hold on, you know? So I remember paddling out, it was dark. It was the first time we saw it really big, and I remember Brendan Margeson taking off on one, didn't make it, and, and I reckon his leg rope pretty much stretched about 10 metres. He was like holding on, and the leg, leg rope just went, whoa, and I, I just remember looking at his leg rope going, how did that not snap? You know, eventually it sort of pulled through the wave and then pinged back, but his leg rope remained long. It didn't end up shrink. Can I just ask both of you guys, because you were there at the start, Rich, did you know what you were looking at when you first saw it big? Did you go, like, this wave's going to change everything? That, that day, the, the big day, the one Conan slash Cody, I thought when we're sitting in the boat, I thought if we, if we get out of this at the end of today and no one's dead, we've won. Because honestly, no one had seen it like that. The local bodyboarders and Poto and those guys, he was probably driving Glenn on the ski, never get on the ski with Poto ever. Anyway, <laughs> never, never. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was it was phenomenal. It's like, and that's why we cooked it a little bit because we'd never seen such waves. And it was have a ten, you have a ten, you have a ten, 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 and there was too many, and that's why the result went the way it did. <laughs> I love this. And then and then to 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 top it off, we had to go and run the women that were there as well at the small pass. So the tour rep said, "Give us the heat sheet." from the final because I'll go into the stage on land and he somehow lost it between us handing it to him and we chuffed off on a boat merrily going well Kobe won that heat I mean Conan won that heat Kobe ended up winning because his third wave was better whatever but uh, then when Conan mad Hawaiian says I want to see the heat sheet they've gone we've lost it so the contest is run by Australians in Tahiti and there's no proof of anything. All that we can say is, no, Conan, even though you got the best wave of the day by a mile, you didn't win. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. Kobe, have, wow. a pro- have a present. And as a fallout from that heat sheet being lost, Kobe, Johnny Boy starts to flare up. That's well, right. well, that happened before then because the, uh, Kobe was lipping off, off about, you know, have a go, you're a bit scared and then... 
John, you don't say that to Johnny Boy. She's yeah, supposedly him misquoted Johnny Girl, in a uh, French. I think the the language was uh, lost in translation, uh, translated into a French surfing magazine. I think that's where it all sort of took off. You do a fart in the channel at Chopes and you shit your pants by the time it gets to Hawaii kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, but hats off to Kobe. You know, he sorted it out when he got to Hawaii that season. So, you know, good on him for doing it. And it was, yeah. a, it was a heavy day. It was a really it, heavy It was day. a game changer. It was a game yeah. changer. You guys were both there. I reckon a round of applause because that, that really was a day that changed surfing. Chopes is like, you know... It's starting to stack up against Pipe in terms of, like, if you want a world title, you've got to do well there kind of thing. Um, one thing I just wanted to ask you, Ringer, was that you were on tour when Oki's comeback came to fruition. How, how magic was that to be a part of, to be right there on the coalface when this talent comes back from literally the brink of ending, you know, like, as, as dark as it gets and wins that world title. Was that magic for you, like, in retrospect? Oh, to be there 100%. Oki, to me, was one of my heroes, pretty much. You know, like, I do remember as a kid, you know, watching, you know, film of Oki and just emulating the way he surfed, you know, standing there and practising my bottom turn, my top turn. So to see him on tour, you know, and hang out with him and become mates with him, it was, it was like, wow, my hero, I'm hanging out with him, you know, and, and he was, he, he was a character, like, you know, he'd try and kick a football, but he couldn't kick a football, <laughs> and he'd try and... <laughs> well, he just went down a few notches in everyone's oh, book, still, I think. No, 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 that's the wrong shaped football. <laughs> I thought I heard he was a mad league player for Cornell back in the day. Those nuggety legs. Carry on. So, so he was... He, he, was, he, he was so unco on land, but yet when you see him in the water, he was so strong and so powerful, you know, and, and you know, you, you couldn't, couldn't falter him, you know, and, and, and that year he just, he was just on fire. You know, he won a bunch of heats. I mean, he still ended up getting a couple of 33rds in there, but he ended up winning a few events yeah. to overcome those Took out the Pacific League. I think he, he was just on fire, Mundaka as well. 100%. Oh, he's, he, he, was, he was always so strong, you know, and, and I mean, it was, good, it was great just to uh, travel with, you know, him. You know, I was one with Damien Harbin and Oki and Sonny, and Sonny, I remember sitting there with Sonny one night, I was on this table, he was on the table opposite, and we are having dinner, and I remember him looking at me like he was going to kill me. He was just, <laughs> like, staring me down, like... And I'm like, what have I done? And I'm just thinking in my head, what have I done? What have I done? What have I done? And he's just staring at me like he's going to kill me. And I'm like, oh, and I just couldn't look at him in the eye or do anything. And I'm just sitting there eating my dinner. And every time I glanced up, he's still staring at me. And I'm like, oh, no. And and, and he gets up at the end and he walks over to me and goes, when are you going to shape me that board? I'm like, you want a surfboard? No worries. <laughs> That's better than getting punched. <laughs> what about what about your best Ock stories? I mean, you spent enough time with him. Ock. Well, I mean, I know Ocky's pretty superstitious, and you know, my wife's a hairdresser, and I remember, I remember he, uh, him and Sarge came over to get his hair cut, and and it had to be, you know, just the right cut. It had to be, you know. Just, just right, otherwise it might affect his next heat. <laughs> <laughs> Samson, love it. Let's get into these later years, mate. After your career, you, you, you jumped on the skis. Is it true your brother rode a ski to Tassie? Yes, 100%. Fuck, that is wild. <laughs> tone, right? He, he, yeah, Tone, Tone, my big brother. 
Grady Jepsen. He just what, woke up one morning, went, fuck this, I might just ride me ski to Tassie. <laughs> Pretty much. He, was, he just had a couple of mates down there and he went, I want to go visit them. I'm going to get a Zodiac, put some fuel in the back, tow it down there. And, you know, he just... Yeah, that was pretty much it. No, no earperb, no mobile phone. We had a mobile phone, but you don't have... It was analogue or whatever, you know, so you didn't get a lot of reception very far out. So, so he made it there, but on the way back, he decided not to tow the Zodiac because it was too slow. So he decides to just zoom off. About, oh, I think it was about a third of the way back, he breaks a drive shaft. So he's floating in the middle of Bass Strait. He said he, he had one bar left on his mobile phone that was dropping in and out, and he texted his mates back at Flinders Island, and he just said, I can see this rock, it's off to my right. And that was the only landmark he gave them. And they came out and searched, and they, luckily they found him. No. He's a bit of a crazy cat. He's, he's always been a, a good storyteller, way better than me, but it always seems to get a little bit bigger every time he tells it. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, mate. And, now, and then you went into doing Water Patrol, obviously, and uh, this year, was it this, this year at Bells? The fucking 12 yeah. to 15 foot, absolutely mega. Um, yeah, man, talk us through that day, because uh, you guys are pretty much the, the unsung heroes of that day. Yeah, I mean, I, I, love, I love getting on a ski. It's actually... You know, like, it, it bores me to death to hop on a ski and drive it in flat water. It's, 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 it's not, you know, it's just not exciting. But, you know, for so many years, I mean, 81 bells is the, la- it's the, it's the yardstick to which all bells are measured by, right? This year we saw something close to it, surely. It was very onshore. Yeah, but how do you deal with that when you're... Those guys, like, I mean, Italo, for example... Yeah, going, he, he, going down he, over there, yelling and screaming. He got washed over the button, washed down the jack. He came in, he, he sort of hobbled in by the, the stairs and had a good cry, and it was well, stressful. What, yeah, what did that look like from your perspective? Because I thought I watched Italo die in that heat. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty much chaos, because initially we were sort of saying, OK, we'll have a ski per person. But what happens is two guys were sitting out the back, didn't really want to go in, and it's hard if you go in, in right into the wave zone, you can get trapped in there and you get stuck and you can't get out. So, so there's mainly two of us who are going right into the wave zone and picking up crew from right inside. And, and then a couple of would stay out and they'd sort of dribble in rather than go in. We all get stuck in there and all get caught. So, I mean, driving those conditions, you've just got to be so aware of what's going on. You've got to create space. You've got to be able to get enough space between you and the wave to turn around to front it to get through it. Or you've got to have enough, just enough momentum to get through it without getting washed back, without flying. So, so it, was, it was just a crazy day. There was so much going on. And, and Italo slipped through the seams. You know, like, I think I had Jeremy Flores... Because just before that, Jeremy had busted his board and Italo had busted their board and we had to bring him in. Or Jeremy we had to bring in, I don't know. We brought him in, brought him back out. And Jeremy was spitting chips and I had him on the back and he was swearing and saying, why did you pick Come me on, up Come on, he wouldn't have been. Come on, not Jeremy. <laughs> he was swearing and cursing. He was. Richie knows what Jeremy's like. So, so I thought, well, okay, I'm going to focus on Jeremy. I'm going to make sure he's okay. I'm going to make sure he's, he gets a, you know, looked after because he was so upset. So, so I buzzed in. Next wave, I buzzed in. Jeremy was in the first one. I think he was on the... Uh, Italo was on the second one. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I picked up Jeremy, and I saw Italo getting sucked towards the button, and T. Ray came in 
T-Ray was driving in his own ski, so his, like I'd actually gone across the button to pick up John John earlier, because the tide was so high and there was so much water getting pushed in. I thought, well, there's enough water to get across there. You go across it fast, you get across it, you can pick him up on the other side and you can exit out down Winky. And just for those not familiar with the button, like what you're saying is you, you ride across rock on the jet ski pretty yeah. much. You skim across the rock, but it's just enough water to get across it. Well, it's random because uh, there is high rocks and low rocks and, you know, and, and at low tide it's all dry, so it's all, all bare rock. So, yeah. so just because it was such a big storm swell and... and and, and, you know, high tide. Uh, and you sort of, like, that's the big thing with a ski. You move so quick, you can be on top of somewhere so quick. So you kind of got to map your distances really well and you got to know where all your rocks are. You got to know your, know your limitations to where you can go. And, and if, if you do that and you can understand, you know, you're always visual where you are and, and you, you can get away with things. But, like, I mean, for instance... Um, did you guys see Kale Bell Warren come in to pick up Slater in one of, in that earlier that that contest? <laughs> Tell us about it. He he um he he saw Slater and he got all excited and came here to pick him up and there's there's just there's only one rock you got to look out for, but he decided to hit it really fast. <laughs> oh, no. I, I tell you what, I I've, I've been on a lot of skis around and on the reefs and everything, and as I said, there's a couple of guys you don't want to go anywhere near, Poto, Kyborg, you just, you're just like, no, I'm good, I'm good. Compa- Why is that? that, Richie? Because they're fucking crazy, right? <laughs> they, they, uh, Glendon's not kidding when he says you go over the lagoon, the lagoon's that deep, and Poto drives over to as far, like 90Ks, 100Ks, I don't know. Wow. You're hanging Crazy. on for grim life over this much water, so you're shitting yourself. And then compared to those guys with Glendon, he's like driving Miss Daisy, we're safe, we're good, we're good, <laughs> we're cruising. But we do it effectively and really safely. He's like, he's the safest driver in the world, hands down. I kid you not. Mantle. I was keen to know too, like, where is the worst place in the world to do water patrol, or, or at least just the most dangerous? Uh, it was probably in Fiji with Kai Borg. <laughs> <laughs> Big Kai Borg, mate. Yeah, no, I guess, I mean, Bells is tricky. They all have their challenges, you know. Um, Fiji, at low tide, you get a whole, you hardly got any room. So you've got to really, you've got to track where you are and you've got to track up the lineup. You can't pick guys up. In that in that zone on low tide because it's very reef, so you got to you got to actually call them out and you got to you got to pick your moments that you can get in there. So Fiji is pretty gnarly. Bells is pretty full on because it's it's right in trapped in in the zone. But at least with Bells, you've always got somewhere to run to. We've seen so, guys like jump off the ski at Bells and just yeah. body surf onto a set wave. Yeah, and the, and the assholes sitting on the back, not that particular one, but Parco and these guys, they lean over and throttle up on on front of these guys. So you see, whenever you see one of those clowns reach reach around, not that reach around, the other reach around. <laughs> I guarantee you, you watch, he used to do it, he'll yeah. tell you, because he used to do yeah, it, yeah. push the throttle, come on, let's go faster, because well, they're, they're I always in a hurry. wondered what the motivation was to be a ski driver, and now I know, so thanks, Rich. <laughs> Happy days. Ye old reach around. <laughs> uh, and also, I mean, later on in your career, Ringer as well, mate, um, well, not in your career, just in life, man, uh, you had to overcome cancer. Can you talk to us about the emotional and, you know, spiritual and mental toll that took? 
Well, I mean, I was sitting on a ski for a Surfing Vic event down here at Phillip Island and, and uh, I felt a bit sore. I went for a surf early morning and did a, did a late turn and I felt a bit sore. I was standing in the shower and realising that something was getting quite big and, and thought, well, it, it should be all right. But then I thought, well, us, that's us blokes, isn't it? Ah, oh, she'll be all right. But eventually my wife said, no, I'm taking you to the hospital. So off we went to the hospital and a whole lot of fondling and, and chopping and, and a whole lot of other... They removed it. So I'm, uh, as I was playing some ping pong the other night with a few other people, I'm, I was just you know, having a joke that, you know, I've only got three balls, two eyeballs and one ball. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was all good. You, it was just smooth sailing. They, they got rid of it and um, there was no... It didn't come back on you or...? No, uh, the... The, the surgeon said that it was it, the surgery should be curative, so I had to go to a, a chemology a chem, chemo, chemologist specialist, yeah. and uh, he he pretty much put me on a on a strict regime of uh, blood tests and CT scans and a whole bunch of things, and I've been going through that and I'm still on it now and 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 I'm up to every six months having a blood test and a CT scan and and just to make sure the cancer isn't coming back into my body and. But I'm pretty much kind of clear. Did it change your outlook on life? Did it change your, like, well, the way it, you live? Well, I, I, look, I, looked, I thought about it a lot and went, if, if this was back in the 1800s, I would be dead by now. I wouldn't be sitting here. And with modern medicine, uh, it, it, you know, it can, it's amazing. You know, I've had a bunch of surgery and, and I had faith pretty much that, that I was going to be all right. And, uh, I, I mean, I enjoy life more. I'm here. You know, I, I, I have two awesome boys and a beautiful wife and we do a whole bunch of stuff together and then uh, hang out with these blokes at work and, and we have a good time, you know, like, and, and my faith has always been my faith and, and it didn't really waver my faith at all and it was, it was for me, it was, it was great. It just held me Good strong. on you, mate. Well done. Round of applause for Ria. And um, I think it's actually... Good time to bring up that uh, tomorrow we've got Anzac Alley going on, so a round of applause. Uh, Phillip Island versus Peninsula Board Riders uh, getting together for the the tribal elders who are doing it tough, may, making a bit of a... Just trying to get some prostate cancer awareness out there, and, you know, you're right, <laughs> Glyndon. Men are fucking notoriously shit at sorting themselves out, but it's not that bad... That's right. To get your ass fingered from time to time. <laughs> I'm just just saying. Doesn't have to always be something you fear. Sandy, mate, give us a give us a bit about a little bit of insight into your story. Like, who are you? Where did you come from? Uh, my my mum's a social worker, so I yeah I, I see her regularly. No 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 really. yeah, no no no. And uh, and and my dad owns a surf shop, so I. So I have a job at a surf shop because <laughs> uh, no one else would employ me. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's sweet. But um, yeah. And you were one of the like you're part of that original crew to really chase shippies and really test what's possible out there. Uh, you know, with the likes of Marty Paradisus, uh, who's one of your best mates. But the thing is, like, this isn't that close to shipsterns. Can you talk us through, like, you know, I don't think anyone's sacrificed more energy more resources, more sleep and more sanity uh, for the vision that knew Sandy. But yeah, just talk us through like, you know, what you were what you were doing to get there and score these sessions. Yeah, oh, well, I, I'm, I'd have to um, disagree. Like, I'm, I'm not a 
not a pioneer of there from the early days. I was somewhat late. Not a pioneer, but you were part yeah. of that crew who, like, I mean, Andy Campbell yeah. and that wasn't doing this. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe he was doing it before the cameras, but he, he was incredible. And He was incredible. And to be down there, you know, in the early days was, would have been amazing. But, um, yeah, I, I first went down there in 2009 and, um, yeah, and, and since going down there, became really good mates with all, all the guys who surf it and surf it incredibly well. And, and um, yeah, I, 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 although I surf with Marty, it's more I'm, I'd be at, at best maybe his apprentice. Um, yeah, but he, he whips us into a few, and um, he sort of whips us in where he would be in a good spot to make it. But I'm not quite at his level, so I normally spend more time underwater. Yeah, but um, but but out there, it, it's, it's you get just as much excitement not making the wave as making it because it, it, it's really tricky. Yeah, but but. But when you do make it, it it's yeah, it's really rewarding. Yeah, but it, it's the the whole experience down there is incredible. It's because uh, yeah, Marty actually sent me a uh, he sent me a text message explaining just like your level of commitment. Uh, here's what he had to say. He said, uh, Sandy used to knock off work at Island Surfboards, drive to Tullamarine, get the last flight to Hobart, rent a car, drive to the Stern car park, sleep in a board bag in the car in the middle of winter, walk in the dark, paddle out as it's getting light, surf till sunset, walk out, drive to Hobart and catch the last flight to Melbourne, then drive two hours back to Phillip Island. Get home. Get home at 2.30am, wake up at 7.30am and go to work. Are you kidding me? And then then he wouldn't tell anybody about it. Well, when I have a day off, I I like to make the most of it. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah, yeah. What is this photo even? Oh, that, that, well, um, uh, that was my first wave, and um, the boys said, oh, everyone, all these guys go over there, and they just, you get whipped in, and they're just, they're fucking on the shoulder. So, so first wave, I did a big fade, and then I came onto my other rail, and I, I was really deep, yeah. Uh, just for those listening on the podcast, we're looking at, I don't know how big you call that thing, it's like about... 15 foot high and 25 to 200 metres thick. Uh, but it was like, on the, that bit of the wave was actually quite good for what I'd done, but, but this other bit, sort of, when it comes in from the south, it, it's more a left than a right. And, uh, yeah, this is at the yeah. right. Yeah. Wow, it's it is just, a left. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Tell yeah. us the most scared you were as a kid. Do you remember a session where you came in and went... Ooh, I don't know um, if I can do that again. Oh, I spent a few times, um, I'd tag along with my old man and, 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 and Glyndon, of course, and a few times, yeah, I was, I remember when I was really, really young on a boogie board and dad, we went out, uh, went up to the south coast for a swell and I remember he was just sort of chasing me around, you know, finding my board after the leash had got blasted off and even my flippers got blasted off, so that, that, was, that was pretty scary. When does it happen? in your brain where you go, this is something I want a piece of. For me, those sessions where you get really, really scared, you kind of have to really push hard to go beyond that again. Yeah, well, well the first time I went down there, um, I, I didn't know what I was looking at on the charts. I just thought I'd, it looks like there's probably going to be waves there from what I understood. And then I um, went down there and hiked in and, I, and I, I slept in the car the night before and I was, I'd never been so cold. So I was just, I was a little bit 
tripping out and then I was lost in the bush but eventually got down there and then I was watching it and I was like my god that, that's not even a wave it, it just looks so hectic but I was like well I've come all this way I, I might just jump in the water and watch and, and then I was um I was on my way around to um I was on my way around because you paddle around the back of it um to um go in the channel and, and just check it all out and then as I was paddling past some guy goes oh are you going and and I and I, I didn't even I don't know why, I didn't even think about it I just all of a sudden I'm paddling into the wave and then I stood up and I and I just remember looking down and I you know how you see guys paddle and actually jump I wanted to do that but I was so scared I couldn't actually like physically jump off my board and I some I somehow made the wave and then um, one of my good friends down there Charles he was paddling out. And he was just tripping out. He, he was he was quite impressed. So he like cheered me, and then I was I, I just got a bit of an excitement from that. And then I was <laughs> and then I just stayed out for the rest of the day. And talk to us about the the na- I love you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that that in my brain, I'm so I'm going. What can I use there to to surf better next time I'm in big surf? Nothing. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh no. Well, that that was quite unfortunate. Um, I I had um. As in, as in it, it, uh, I've got my, myself to blame because this young guy had never driven a ski before and he, and he whipped us in, but he actually whipped us in too wide and then I would have been, like, basically kicked off, could have got another one, but I tried to, like, fade back. By the time I faded back, I just had no speed and then ended up just in it, yeah, all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. What is the trick to getting it right out there, like paddling? Talk us through the... The tricks of the trade at Shippies. Oh well, you'd probably have to ask the boys down there. You know that they're the experts. But oh, I, come I, on, I, I mate! Just, you got a couple of nugs I, out no, there. No, but it's a paddling. I find easier because at least you know where the the reef is. Every time I get whipped in, it's just you're just going along this like these rapids, and all of a sudden, you know, lumps are coming out of here and there. And whereas at least when you're paddling, you know, you're sitting on the edge of the the reef so yeah but it's extremely tricky though yeah and Russ Bjork got you know one of the better ones that's ever been paddled out there recently what'd you make of that oh that was that was very impressive yeah definitely (laughs) I I was I was spewing for Marty because um he was up and it moved under him I don't know if if anyone's seen the footage you can see him scratching and just going fuck (laughs) realising it was a nugget but but Russ is incredible actually that's a good point you bring up it's worth touching on is like you, you see the shippies crew like you know who they are they're they're a tight unit and they Amazing. want the biggest one that comes through, right? And then you've got crew who are visiting and coming down. What's it like? Is it are they sort of egging you on to get the good ones, or are they oh, kind of yeah. like? Oh no, that they're so welcoming. But like, I've, fair I've, I've They're been, not. They're not like. Oh, this is the best one I've seen out here no, in years. Well, well I don't know. I've only gone. I'm, I assume if you some guys rock up with you know ten crew and or, or rock up just flying for a swell and just going on the boat like rock stars and then don't get into the um you know the, the whole vibe yeah the, the culture um but yeah I've, I've only gone down there on my own and then and it's and just walking and crews that just you know tread lightly and and then and then and develop so many amazing friendships and yeah it's unreal. Speaking of amazing friendships, you're close with Marty Paradisus, and I understand you guys did a trip out of the desert uh, a year or two ago where you, you end up nearly dying. Can you talk us through what happened there? Yeah, I had a had a bit of a 
Yeah, we had an incredible trip. And actually, it's that, a that, that's, that's theme where I, this guy's life a little bit. <laughs> uh, that's where um, I got into Ain't That Swell because um, we had a drive for um, 20 hours. And then Marty's like, oh, I'll chat these guys up. These guys are sick. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Yeah, and I'd, I'd, I'd uh, a bit of a late bloomer, but I hadn't um, heard it, and I was just, we were hooked. But, and after 20 hours, we just wanted more. <laughs> no, no more driving, but, yeah, it was, um, it was incredible to listen to. But, yeah, we, we, we got out there, had a really good time, surfed for, like, probably not nine, ten hours a day over about seven days. And then maybe it was actually my body wanting a rest, how, and forced me to get injured, but um, we were surfing this reef and um, and got, got really lit up and ended up um, yeah, hitting hitting really hard. And I was I was thought uh, especially after hurting my neck, I thought I'd better protect the, the noggin. And I was going like this and just hit hit the reef fully there. So I ended up breaking six ribs. What one went straight through my lung, and then yeah, punctured your lung, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was yeah I was in a but it was quite, quite painful. What does that feel like exactly, uh, a punctured uh, lung? Oh, it, it feels like, kind of like when you get winded, but on a, a bit of a higher level. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I guess, yeah. And then, then after that, the, I've come up and I'm tr- trying to breathe, but it's like, it's like there's a bit of glass over my mouth. <laughs> Wow. I'm going like this and just no air was coming in. And then, oh, and then after that, the next, the next wave, um, then all of a sudden, just the, they, they thought I was doing it too easy. Then my, my leash decided to get snagged on the bottom. Wow. For even, for even more of a predicament. But it eventually um, got that off and drifted in. And then, then a lot of the, the local guys, um, and uh, well, Heath Josky in particular, and a bunch of his mates came in. They were just incredible help and support and there's there's no phone reception out there so I was like on the in the shallows sort of coughing up blood and stuff and then and then Marty ended up finding where I was and he came in and helped us and yeah that everyone was like running over the dunes trying to get some signal and and eventually yeah that they were able to get um a troopie in and I and the paramedics eventually um got called and arrived and then um back back to the local airport and then flown to Adelaide and then yeah um, that is mental. Bit of recuperation, yeah. How close did you come to dying? Like, what, what's the uh, process there if you can't get oxygen in? You know, how how long uh, have you got? Oh, it was it was it was all good. I eventually was able to to get a, a bit of breath. Get a few little yeah. gasps. No, I'm I'm sure I would have been right. Yeah, it was Yeah, but, but yeah, yeah. No, but it's amazing when you think about it. It's actually I've, I've talked about it with my mate Simon McShane a bit. It's actually hard to die. Like the amount of the amount of Experiences we have. I, even I just a few people that might disagree with you there, Sam. But... Mate, it's just yeah. That's the name of the next Bond movie, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. No time. So, something like that. Yeah, yeah. But but it's with everyone in this room's probably had a lot of near death near death experiences, and it just. Yeah. Well, Marty, Marty asked me to bring uh, another near death experience up with you. You had a, you had a run in of a big Noah at the right, yeah, a crazy yeah. shark story. You reckon? Yeah, that that was that was really. Tell deep. us about that. Yeah, well, I was um, my good friend Ben Rufus, my guardian angel. Uh, after that moment, um, we were. We were out there and there was no one else out and um, we were just sort of, it was quite lully. We were drifting out to sea with the, the offshore wind and um, luckily I, I just turned around because we were just sort of chatting, just oblivious and then I turned around to see where we were 
in relation to the reef because we were sort of just getting drifted out of position. And I turned around and just saw this huge dark shape in the water coming towards me. And, and I just wanted to like jump up and go, what the fuck? But, but, I, but, I, but I was like, um, I was like, stay calm, Sandy. And then I just said, um, is that Ben Rufus? Uh, so I was like, Rufy, uh, uh, gun it. <laughs> and, and, and I think my eyes were, you know, like this or something. But anyway, he's, the ski was sort of side on. So, so instead of um, him fanging it off, which I, I might have like not got going on it, he actually spun it and just fanged it straight at me. And then I, I took like two or three paddles and just like jumped onto the on, up on the ski, leapt onto the ski, and then by the time I turned around, it was it was like right there, like wow. maybe three meters away. So you were basically you paddled and kind of uh, leapt onto the front of the ski, and you were straddling it like uh, some kind of <laughs> yeah. monkey. Yeah, and then, and then I got up and we just started hugging, and I was just I was just screaming and swearing, and I, I just could not believe it. I was just looking down at this thing, it was just started circling us, and it was it was like it was bigger than the ski, like it, it um, must have been about four meters or so. Like, hey, oh. Sandy, Sandy. Oh. Doesn't sound that hard to die, dude. <laughs> no, no, well, yeah. no, but, but yeah, I, well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but anyway. What do you so, make of that ringer? I mean, uh, you're a God-fearing man. We, we all have our moments, does you know, as Sandy says, we all have our moments where we feel like we could have died. But yeah, I've seen Sandy go through a heck of a lot of them and, and, and I'm, I'm amazed that he's still here. <laughs> Mate, we're stoked you're here. What a guest. What a legend. Sandy Ryan, you legend. Dead set. I'm just so glad. I'm so glad that of all the fears, of all the near misses you've had, surviving public speaking is the gnarliest one. So well done, mate. You killed it. But this is, this is going to be a fun section. Richie Porter. How many years on tour, mate? 22. Before we get into it, I just want to pull up. A little. I want to play a little game. Okay. Called with the benefit of hindsight. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. First one is, uh, uh, I think it's called Floater Game. Yeah, yeah. So Owen Wright, Adriano D'Souza. I think it's around twenty. Two thousand eleven. Like, I think. Two thousand eleven. So it's right in that little zone where doing aerials and everyone flaring, and then traditional surfing are just head to head. It's been like that a few times, but this was a pretty big one. Yep. With the benefit of hindsight, how do you look back on that heat? when you think of, uh, you know, what Owen was doing in terms of, like, flashiness and then what Adriano was doing in terms of sending it. Yeah, and I was at, we used to rotate, so I head judged and I judged as well. So I'm judging this, this heat as well. We had a 3-2 split in the end. Happy with the result? I'm happy with my score. Yeah, I was good. Crazy to see D'Souza's floater again, too. That's one of the all-time best it's floaters. Psycho, it's psycho, isn't it? fucking mental. But, so that's, so that's, that's one for, but that's not the, the issue's not the one. That's the wave you're not showing. Is, and and then, it's always... Is, well, the, the problem nine times out of ten is their backup wave. It's like, oh, he, he got the score or she got the score. It's like, you don't focus on that. We'll focus on the overscored six earlier, which is why the score he didn't need as much to get through and well, Owen needed more so they're pretty lightweight turns for and, and the waves were completely different so but you also had you also had at, at this time I'm, I'm actually coming to your defence here because I, I actually think that floater was psycho but at the time you had the modern collective coming out you had other th- cultural things going on in surfing where everyone wanted to reward that sort of progressive surfing right yeah Ben, All right, good call, good call. I'm back at Richie. Can we get Swillian support? Uh, good on that. All right. 
Uh, case number two, Smithy. Oh, yeah, Ooh. Gabby and Mick. Okay, so Mick, so you're at Pipeline, barrel score. Yeah. Mick surfing for the world title. He's already he, beat Kelly and John John the day before. He gets a, he gets gets a, nice a, he gets a 7 3 3, the highest score of the yeah. heat. And then Gabby does this, needing like a 5 and a half. He needs a 5 2 3. Swillians, give us your reaction on the score on this next wave. And, and pipe right now is just like a normal beach break. It's not pipe pipe. So it's shit. There's, it's like random waves. And, and I'm sitting there going. This is by far the best wave, 733. So that's not much of a wave for pipe, right? So you look at that and go, Sandy doesn't even paddle out when it's that bad. Right? He's going, no, 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 this is shit ass. I actually think so we have... We, how we does he come have... through this phone ball, though? That's ridiculous. Yeah, then he got 733. But yeah, when has any turn ever scored at pipe? When have you ever seen a turn score there? In about three minutes' time <laughs> on this, in this heat. The, oh, thing, the, thing that, the thing that annoyed me with this was... Gabby hunted it for like 10 minutes and Mick just kept letting him go, letting him go. It's like, you can't let this guy go, he's a machine. Don't let him, don't give him anything. Is this worth a five, a lay back into the whitewash? Williams. Oh. <laughs> I reckon, I reckon on that day, because I had a good fight with the clown factory at the airport the next morning, all the Australians. I reckon he turns the heat. He got a six five. That's way too much. Chasing a five two, I reckon he gets a five three. <laughs> like he just gets it. It's what do you think, Spivy? It's a Mate, fucking it's sick here, I've always said it, man. You got five people from different nationalities, uh, yes. and they all come up with a score, and I tend to go with what they think the consensus. I don't know, man. The, the air reverse was fucked up. Like, six the, five. The six five is too much. All right, look, we're getting into the details, but I will say this. That really pissed me off, and it still does. Pissed off a lot of people, but swings yeah. and roundabouts now show poor Yaden. So, all right, and the last one, benefit of hindsight, is this one, which is uh, Kelly versus Andy. I don't know if you were on tour oh, no, for I wasn't this. here for this. This is J-Bay. So, yeah, yeah, no, I, I wasn't part of this, but I remember the hoo-ha. Yeah, this was a big hoo-ha. Take me through this. Yeah, like, but, I can't. I've I've seen the some vision as well. It's it's one of those ones that's right there. And in judging, you get you get. I used to call it we're fucked either but he way falls we go. On the last turn, it's the most important one. Oh, look at these turns beforehand. I don't know. I wasn't there. Where would I know? Tell us, man. Who are the judges? Because everyone in this room. I mean, fuck. Whether you love the WSL or you hate it, doesn't matter. You're going to watch comps. Yep. So who are these guys who who break our hearts and also give us you know? Sick moments. Well, they're all they're all surfers. Most of them are ex-competitive surfers at different levels. Like Pratama, who's the head judge now, he went straight from the pro juniors into judging, and now he's the head judge. His first guy down, Luli from Brazil, he was in that. They've got their own circuit. They're like the ACC sort of thing. He was in the top ten of Brazil. So he's these guys rip, right? Don't I used to laugh when oh the kooks can't surf. It's like I tell you what, they can hold their own in any beach around the world. Cause I used to see it all the time. We got you know Ben Lowe, he surf surfed competition. Luke Reading, you know Ben Dunn's now. He's the XCT surfer. You know, Ratso doing the spin in the disc with the Priority World Masters champion on the tour back in way before Ringer, like he's 60, whatever, 50, whatever he is. He was an ISA world champ back in the day anyway, wasn't he? No, no, he was on tour. He was the New Zealand's finest. And he used to do it when they had the trials and you'd see Ian Ratso Buchanan <laughs> in the trials and then every now and again he'd make the main event. And, and then he won the... Uh, 
ASP World Masters, right? So they all surf, and they all surf really, really well, and they understand surfing, and they're, they're passionate. They're so, like, they used to drive me insane because I'm really apathetic about that I was really conscientious, but at the same time, it's like, it's a job remove yourself from it so you don't get too involved in it. They, they, when they're not surfing or they're not judging, they're watching their fucking videos. It's like, oh God, can't, you, can't we talk about something else or watch something else? It's like, no, no, let's watch this latest clip that Ringer's dropped. It's like, I don't care what Ringer's dropped. But um, no, they're really keen surfers and yeah. they're good surfers. And I think that's worth pointing out because, you know, a lot of times you'll hear guys who were competitors especially being very vocal about like, maybe judges should always be CT surfers. We tried a lot of CT surfers as judges. And Did you try a ringer? No, he's too busy with the reach arounds on the ski. He's busy. <laughs> he's busy. But, but we tried a lot of CT surfers, and it's a really hard and it's a really long, boring job. And the rock stars of, they get too bored. of surfing, they're going, no, oh, no, I get paid for doing nothing, just going out on my toy and surfing. So why would I want to sit there and watch you clowns over and over and over and over? And, and very few of them could do it. Do you feel responsible uh, to the fan? Do you feel like, you know, when there's a massive call that people disagree with, do you, A, get pressure from management to say, we need to sort this out and we need to address it? And B, is it something that you lose sleep over at night? Is it something where you should go, nah, I'm backing myself on this, fuck everyone? Well, I used to, I used to enjoy when they'd put me straight on the broadcast to explain something that happened like the Jack Robbo, Zeke Lau. When I was doing it, they would straight on the... Letitia, the girl who runs yeah, the replay. Yeah, I you did a good job with that, Rich. I yeah. always enjoyed that too, Thanks, mate. You're mate. straight down the line. But I figured address it right now because even by the time you get to the post show, everyone's lost interest and they've got their own opinions, right? So I deal with it there and then and then move on. Um, did I feel anything for the fans? No, I felt for the surfers because that was my job to make sure we were doing the best job we can. Did I lose sleep at night? Nah. Because in my mind, I was doing the best I can and we're all going to make mistakes and stuff and it's subjective and that's why you got five guys and girls sitting there so what I think's good, he thinks terrible and he thinks okay. So, you know, that's, Mm. it's a subjective sport. And how much of a fuckwit was Ringer after a heat when he lost especially? (laughs) No, no, he was, he he was alright. Who was... The number one guy that you were just going, oh no, here he comes, lock the lock the door. Oh, of course, of course. When I was a younger junior judge or the beginning judge, it was Sonny for sure, because he would come in dripping wet. And it's like, were you there oh. for Muffin Gate? For which Muffin Gate, where he threw the muffins? No, I wasn't the... there for Muffin Gate, but I, I was I was there for um, once in the Maldives. You might have been there, the famous Gadauskas one. Um, but he came in, you could feel the heat of anger coming from behind you without, without even looking around. It's like something's <laughs> like behind us for sure. From, uh, X-Men. But, um, and then, Fantastic uh, four. And, and then when I became head judge, there, was a few, there were a few pests that, you know, repeat guys Give that would come it, in. Come on. Like, we're all here. Oh, no, it's well, a you know, like, uh, Jeremy, I spent more time with Jeremy and his old man. Than, and he still used to, he'd still be abusing me. He'd still be sending emails now. I guarantee that. Fuck. <laughs> That fucking Australian pricks ruined my son's life. Jeremy's cool now. He's had a kid. He's happy. But before then, he was a, he was a grumpy shit for sure. What's um, the best? Old, of- old mate Kai Otten. Kai used to complain about everything. Uh, Wilco, Matt Wilco was good at complaining. He'd come often. Micro. But we're we you saying micro complaining for a while. Are you saying like 
genuinely coming up to you miffed about a decision or are you saying yeah, just... Yeah, no, no, just... you're fired up. You've just, you've just asked this guy, you're really fired up. You've just been knocked out and you think... And all your mates, your mates, have just told, oh, you got so ripped off. It's like, because that's what they say. You know, that's, your mates are going to tell you that, whereas the guy who's just won go, no, no, I won for sure, beat it. And you're you're travelling with these guys for nine months of the year. You're seeing them at the breakfast buffet in the morning. You're seeing them like, you know, these guys are coming home from all-night benders, uh, haven't been knocked out the day before, absolutely ropeable, and you're getting up to go to work for the day. I mean, it's a a pretty strange kind of dynamic. The only time they were all a really, really happy bunch was at the awards night, first night of the year at the Goldie. And you knew then they're all mates. So they're mate, 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 Rich. <laughs> oh, missed you, Rich, missed you. And then three days later, you've just knocked him out. I fucking hate you. <laughs> <laughs> but but that, was this, that's, that was my job. I, I, I took that as part of the job, you know. That's, that was accepted. And the best surfing you ever saw while you sit in the judges' booth? I mean, it's a hard question. But it is know, a hard question. I, there's so I, much there's of so, it. So many. Or, or, or even just an event that really uh, stands out in your mind. Oh, it was interesting you talk about Oki before, the skins in whatever year that was. He, he won. For those that don't know, was it 97? He, he was on his comeback thing, and, and it was poor old Roy Norris put together this event where you, you we judged. He put your hand up if you thought that's the wave you want to get scored. So he had to catch one wave. Bell's a six to eight foot perfect. Oki over two days wins 11 heats in a row, wins five grand each heat and then wins the Jeep but still to this day bar the one turn that Gabby did in the bowl last year on the big day, still the best backhand surfing I've ever seen at Bells, easily. Mental. Easily. But they're all they're, they're all, you know, you see you see John, you know, John Florence John John, whatever, changed the game with barrel riding, like at Chopes Ringer tells you, you touch the phone ball back in the day, it's like, oh, over the falls you go nine times out of ten. John was backing into it and holding himself in. Like Andy could kind of do it, but John, John, you couldn't take your eyes ever off him whenever he pulls into a barrel because you think, he's gone. Oh, no, there he is. Oh, he's he's amazing. So, And he was also the only time I've ever seen in the men's division. The girls, sometimes you can pick the winners early, but at Margaret River the other year, the only way he was going to lose that was if he got... No waves because he was that far ahead of the pack. He was unbeatable. So you know, there's some. That's a peak performance. Can I can I ask you uh, about this? Is a particular favourite uh, heat of all time for me. Like you, you, you hear about heats like Oki versus Curran. You know the Andy Kelly rivalry, but I reckon the all time one of the all time great heats is Kelly versus Mick at Bells. This heat. Um, Man, this final was just special for so many different reasons. It was the year MP, MP died. died yeah. yep, they had the, uh, the the minute of, not silence, but a, a minute of applause before the final. Mick sat out there and just basically caught three waves. I don't think he caught anything extra. Kelly caught 15 waves. It was just two guys doing absolutely everything they could to destroy each other. What do you remember from this day? That Mick sat where you're meant to sit when you're surfing Bell's Bowl. That was the thing that stood out. He, he, it was the tide was coming in, but it was before, it was one of those heats where do you go across the rincon, do you sit? You know, and, and you always got taught as a young kid surfing in heats, as long as there's waves at the bowl, you stay there. You don't go to rincon. So Mick sat at the bowl and got bowl waves, which were way bigger and better than Kelly's and tore them to shreds. And Kelly was paddling up in that midsection. Kelly ripping. did like... 
he did like a thousand turns in this heat that were all epic, but never strung a wave together. Mixed yeah. waves were just top to bottom. Well, Kelly had a he he, mel- he had a meltdown that after that too. Did he lose it? I lost. He, I've never heard a door slam as hard as what he slammed the door when he left because he had to go and do his interview. That was amazing. Oh, that's 10 points. And then ten we, got, point we, got, right. we got grief for that. It's like, how can you get a 10 at Bells for one turn? It's like, well, do that and there you go. <laughs> Easy. So, yeah, it was, it was cool. It was a, it was a great day. And I agree. I want to I ask you about the power of Kelly, though. Like, I reckon I was calling a heat at Bells once where he surfed a wave and he thought he had a score. I, I felt like he was paddling back out feeling confident and we, we read it out and he just stopped. And he just sat up and stared up at the tower like hypno-toed. Like he was just so fucking angry. And I swear the next wave got marked up. Like, and I'm like, this is just me which, purely which observing. Don't know, mate, but it was just like... My time or before my time? Mm, don't know, but, the, but the, my point is this. When a guy like Kelly, who fucking isn't really in your face too much, backs himself on his surfing, when he turns around and stares up at the commentary ta- uh, the judging tower... Do you feel that? No, 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 because it... Well said. It's just another guy <laughs> in the water. No, it's like, you know, it's like, it's like the, the question of the claims and stuff. And people go, oh, you gave him more points because he claimed. It's like, no, no, we almost cringe when you see the claims happening because you go, oh, here comes... Day, I think it was, you know, they, and they try and trick you. They go, do you think we're that stupid that you go, yes, I did it. It's like, have a four. You know, it's, <laughs> and, and and that's that was four. the I spent plenty of moments or a four point one seven, four one seven, my greatest score ever. I love it. I still reckon it's overscored. Joel Parkinson said tonight when we when we had Richie on, Joel Parker goes, ask him about four point one seven, his favourite number in the whole yeah, wide world. Well, uh, but mate, it, it is. And so yeah. okay, you're saying Kelly looking up the judging tower. Zero effect on you. Was yeah, like it's a different thing from Sunny standing you there, staring at Glendon, going, "Where's my board?" It's like Kelly staring at me. Ooh, no, Kelly's staring at me. It's like I'm from Frankston, dude. Come on. <laughs> yes, that's huge. All right, I'm loving it. I just want to know quickly. You know, what are some of the strategies these guys uh, bring to the judges? Do they try and buddy up? Do you notice them trying to kind of, uh, you know, cajole? Sympathy points, or you know, Sonny's obviously a fucking psycho, or was a psycho in those That's days. That's such a good question, man. I, I just you, imagine... but there's the other end of the spectrum too, where guys are kind of budding up. No, Did you notice it? No. Does it feel a bit creepy and slimy, like that pestilent guy at the bar? If you're a woman, you know, sleezing on here, they just want something from you. He's like, oh, dude, get away from me. I, I, I was just imagining Rich going to his letterbox, and there's like 44 wedding invitations uh, every year. Nothing. Oh, I, te- oh, I, look. I tell you what, no, c- across the board. I, in 22 years. I had one drink bought for me from Connor Coffin, good young fella. Yeah, Connor. And Keanu Singh's dad brought us a box of chocolates at Brazil because Hawaiian dads love their Hawaiian host. And that was the graft that I got in 22 years. So they don't, they know that it's not going to work. Like they'll, they'll still talk to you and everything, but you don't get too friendly with them because the very next day you're going to toast them and give them a 6-5 when they're chasing a 6-6. And they, then they back to hating you. So there wasn't any point, you know? No, I'm worried about them trying to get friendly with you, not the other no, way no, around. No, 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 that's what I'm saying. That they yeah. wouldn't, because they, they're, they're still seething from the last contest. So outside I thought I saw of, Fanning budding up to Pratamo a couple times. Oh, yeah, the they love, they love, love, they love Pops. Just getting up in his grill yeah, there, yeah, nice, no. friendly, just trying to curry well, a bit of favour. Yeah, well, That's the ultimate, right? But you go this one, Rich. 
You go this no, way. no, they never. And and I used to not like surfing with them because they're training, right? So they're where they're having a holiday, waiting for the next day to run, and all these guys are there training and and. Generally, they were pretty cool. Like some of them would have a little tantrum. Michelle Perez sent emails, went to the sheriff. Oh, the judges are taking too many waves. It's like, here's a tip, dude. If the judges are taking waves from you, there's something really wrong because you're one of the best surfers in the world and pull your head in. Don't go to the sheriff and get us all kicked out. It was actually Ringer's fault because he was getting too many waves as well. But but no, no, the, 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 everyone's really polite and nice until they lose, and they lose their shit in varying degrees. <laughs> but generally, no, it's all just civil, like, how you going? Except there was a couple, you know, Freddie P, I think, said two words to me in five years. He couldn't stand me, and whatever, that's okay. You don't have to like everyone. I like everyone, but that doesn't mean they have to like me back. Love it, love it. Yeah, man. What about, like, genuine... That, that's a good point you touch on. Genuine dislike like did you ever like you know you're living your life outside of the contest sphere in the same zone of these guys you're going to dinner going to clubs you're doing whatever you're doing was there ever any a time where guys would just lose it that was before my time like that's the Pezzas and Renatos and when they were on tour before Glenn and you know the 80s when you know Potts grabbed Renato around the neck one night and stuff when Renato was judging and and there was things like that used to happen regularly and uh, the, but, the story but, 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 about uh, Renato being in the contest scaffolding and Sonny at the base of it shaking. Yeah, it. but but also the judges were were hardcore too. Like there was a there was a one of the guys that's a holding back because one of the surfers was downstairs going, "I'll fucking go," and he's going, "All right, I'm coming." You know, it's halfway through a heat. They they really they're all in it together. Like Fuxi, all these boys were rugged guys. So were the surfers. So it was like drinking, biffoing, whatever. Didn't matter but as long as you didn't go to the sheriff. Whereas now. Off you go to the HR and the sheriff, and we're all in trouble. You know, nah, so isn't that it's, it's, typical it's, of 2019? What yeah, a joke. What's wrong with you kids? <laughs> Bring back the Jack and Cokes and the Biff, man. No, no, it's just, but you know, it's a different time. Mid heat, 10 a.m. on the Jack and Cokes, stiff whiskey. Oh yeah, what's he fucking whinging me? Oh, yeah, I'll go in, mate. Go on, fucking yeah. shape up. No, I had, I had, I had one in in Japan, a Hawaiian guy that wanted to go, and we we're about to go behind the tent to go. It's like, okay, we'll go. Frankston's finest, we'll go. Are you kidding me? Oh, he's, he's Are the you same, It was the same size. It's like, this will be alright. And um, all of a sudden, the Japanese tour rep comes running and grabs us both. No, 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 you can't do this. It's like, why not? No one's watching. <laughs> yes. He wants to have a go, we'll have a go. You know, but those those days are gone. And that's that's fine too. That's I, good. I was interested to know too, like, just how much has judging surf contests changed through the years. I mean, I'm sure you're across the history of it, but what did it look like, you know, back when you first come on tour? When, I, when, I when first, you first got involved? Yeah, when I first got involved, it was, I was just came in at the end of, they'd just gone from four down to th- best three waves. So before that, it was best four waves. And, and not when I used to compete, that's why I was screwed. I can't catch four waves in 20 minutes. Of a fucking, look at the size of me, you know? So they'd gone to three, which progressed the surfing a little bit better. There was no, re- there was no videos, no replays. You know, you'd read about the contest in the magazines months later. So anything that happened, did it really happen? Who knows? There's the likes of Vaughn sitting there writing about it in a magazine, you know, later. So My comp reports were shit. <laughs> well, because everyone got forgot what had happened. They were on the piss, right? And, and, and that, was, that was how it all went. And, and it was all living in the moment. Whereas now, the head judge... Pratamo doesn't really speak. I, 
as in when he's when they're when they're judging. And the last few years, KP and and the crew changed the way I did it as well. So the TV's now the head judge. So you just go. Let's put on red's last wave, let's put on yellow's last wave and the judges get to watch the replay and that's sort of make judging a little bit... It's, it's still good, opinions, like most of you will say it's shit, but it's always been shit, right? But the TV is a really good tool to use, but it's also letting excuses happen for a judge. You go, oh, I missed it, because you know you can watch it on the TV, whereas back when I started, there's no missing. If you missed it, no one's there to watch it again. You and had to waves were missed. I can remember a Dane Reynolds uh, versus Taj Barahid at Kira, kind of like Spot X Kira, uh, and Dane you know, getting this kind of doggy door pit uh, on the buzzer, and I think they'd had to move the contest site so they didn't have the webcam set up, and the wave just got flat missed, yeah. and, he, uh, and he ended up getting yeah. booted from the event. And Troy Brooks as well at sunset, he got pitted. Yeah, and... he got, you know, it happens, and, and then you'd, the guy come up with his video camera, and Kai Otten, you know, he lost, the, he lost his world title at Super Tubes because that was down the beach and we weren't in front of where we should have seen him get a barrel, you know. So things like that have always happened. It's surfing. Things happen. It's a big field. Yeah. What know. about the biggest bungles in, uh, in your time on tour? You know, just like, you know, oh, and, oh. and it's not a human error. It, look, man, I'm, I'm not here to sink the boot in. It happens in every profession. The biggest one by far was when we're at San Francisco and everyone's loose as, oh, goodness me, what a town. Um, <laughs> anyway, the, the math wasn't correct and, and Kelly's come in, they've gone, you've won the world title. And it's like, yeah, hooray, whatever. And then the next morning, the, a few people in ASP then knew that the math wasn't right but didn't tell me. So we're standing there looking at the surf and the surf's average. It's like, no, no, it's shit. Don't, let's not go. And it's like, whatever, we're here having party stuff. Um, we'll run in a couple of days because we weren't aware of what the, the ramifications were. So we go surfing. I get a phone call later that afternoon from the media manager, Proden, going, oh, by the way, Kelly hasn't won the world title. It's a mistake, and he, we have to, he has to win one more heat. And it's like, well, if you told me that this morning, I would have made sure we'd run the heat so there's no story. But as it turned out, three days, and as you guys know, that's when these things grow legs. So it was like, he hasn't won the world title, and obviously he goes out the next day, three days later, wins his world title. Fair bang. I love it because the man, the ASP. You know, from a distance, looking at it, uh, this was the ASP, right? Yeah. Back in these days, you know, from a distance, it looks like this highly professional, uh, you know, fully fledged governing body. But when you get up close, you realise it's like the fucking Wizard of Oz. There's Ren- Renato and Rabbit hiding under a sheet, pulling ten different levers and twisting all these knobs, and like, yeah, I mean, it, it's and sometimes things happen where they're just too complex to even deal with. They don't want to know about. It. I can remember Dustin. Barker and Adriano D'Souza coming to blows in Tahiti when I was there. I think it was 2010. Um, you know, Barker was maggot. And uh, basically, you know, Barker is, went on to become a an MMA fighter in the Bellator arena. Like, one step off the UFC, he was gnarly. And he Muay Thai fly-kicked D'Souza in the thigh. Then they had to surf the next heat together. <laughs> and Barker won. And, like, I'm pretty sure, like, having a heavily bruised quad surfing chopes wouldn't have helped you but yeah that was just one of those classic uh, little bits of little nuggets that never got dealt with uh, no, during well, those days you know like it's alright nothing to see here carry on but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but in, in that, at the in end that, of the road stays at the end of the road in, in that time it was awesome like 
we had a touring group of about 15 and now there's a touring crew of over 120 doing exactly the same thing, just making it into netball or volleyball versus hardcore surfing that that it used to be. But we had a great time and and we had it under control. Well, as far as we thought we had it under control, it was was no worries. It was iconic, man. Like, like, you know, you think back to uh, those early Chopes events, you know, getting like the broadcast stream going on a, you know, we've just trying to run internet to a bloody judging tower in the middle of French Polynesia in the freaking early noughties. Like, it wasn't easy, but you got it done and it was incredible and surfing wouldn't be where it is today without you. And so. we had a really good time doing it, so I appreciate know. it, you know. Well done, Rich. Round of applause for Richie Porter, guys. <laughs> All right. It's time. It's time. Ask us a question, we'll tell you no lie. Ask us a question, we'll tell you no lie. What's your name? (laughs) Sorry, worst wife ever. Just wondering why we've come from the other side of the peninsula. It said 6.30. It started at 7.00. It's now nine. It's now 11. I'm pretty drunk. Just wondering, is that from the Western Port or from you guys? Because I'm blind. I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's a shit show. (laughs) Have a cone piece, lady, and uh, enjoy yourself. She wins. She wins, clearly. I wish I had the answer to that question. We turn up just like you do, going, what the fuck's going on? Thank you. Sorry. Sorry we were late. But we will still drink beers with you after if you want. <laughs> Pretty yeah, sore, uh, G'day, my name's Brad. I've been drinking beers since six o'clock and I'm not pissed enough, so uh, get in the back of the line. Um, my question is to Glendon. Um, you've lived a life that most of us only dream of. At what point have you got the most satisfaction Chasing shoes when you're younger, chasing CT, or just shaping boards for all of us locals, which we fucking love. Yeah. A couple of cone pieces, Brad. That's uh, cone great piece. surf journalism. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I don't know. Like um, satisfaction is a big thing. Like uh, you're you're always chasing uh, something. You know, like when I was on tour, you're always chasing being that next heat, that next result. You know, and, and you're never satisfied unless you're the winner. You know, even second place, you go, oh, if I only just got that better wave. So, you know, being on tour, was it was satisfying to a point, but it was never 100% satisfying because I was always in chase of that next better wave or that next good result. And when, when my results started going down, <laughs> it was very dissatisfying. <laughs> But, uh, but, you know, like, for, for me, life's just as, as you go, you know, like, I mean, you'll, you'll probably find, well, Brad, I think you have kids, don't you? Yeah. yeah. A bunch of us have kids. Some of us don't. <laughs> but I think once you have kids and once you have a family, it really changes your look on life a lot, you know? I mean, Sandy still goes charging big waves and he's got a family. And, but, you know, I think a family, a good family around you really 
that's a lot of satisfaction, you know, for me. Well said, mate. Beautiful, Glenn. Good question, Brad. The moral to the story is no one on tour there's is a, satisfied. There's a big mob of pissed groms over here. I reckon uh, they could use the microphone. Here we go. Connor. Or is good for a lol, the maggot groms. <clears throat> Testing, one, two, one, two, one, two. Uh, my name's Joel and I'm from the peninsula, mate. Yeah. Oh. All <laughs> This is a limerick for you boys. A limerick. Oh, he's got a limerick. Bit of, bit of hush for the artists, please. His name is Vaughn the Deadly. He plays in the Goons of Doom. His mate Jedham Smithy Smithy loves a doob or two. True. They're that well known, they held Tulsi Gabbard on the phone. Three months from here, they held fucking Post Malone. And for Equinor, if they insist, you'll get a couple thousand cunts ready with the fists. <laughs> Anyone else? Uh, I've got a question for Richie. Stand up. Go for uh, it. What is your stance on the Kyo Gabriel fracas about a month ago? Yeah, uh, once again, and my favourite mates running the broadcast screwed the boys over with that. Super Tubes has got like three or four takeoff spots. It's like pitcher D bar, that's for want of a better terminology. Kyo got the wave, paddled out down the south end got out the back and with a beach break you don't have to it's not like a point you have to get to it you just got to be the furthest out the back so Kyo got out the back sat up they Ratso gave him priority right call Gabby was still duck diving if you watch the wide vision not Gabby's vision tricky vision Gabby's vision uh, he's, that he put up. he's really but there, there's, a, there's, a, there's another vision there's another vision Gabby's Gabby's still duck diving Kyo's got priority turns around looks goes yeah I've got it now I'll go back up and join Gabby. Gabby, for God knows, everyone in sport has a moment of brain fart, right? He, for his, for why he didn't turn around and look, because it's right there, big fluoro-coloured disc that tells you who's got in charge. Why he never looked, that no one will know other than him, and he rused that day. So the call was fine. Gabby should have checked, because it's, it's right in front of you. The board showed Kaio, so Gabby's fuck up. But, Richie, I want to get your opinion, mate. Like, can you believe it? Can you believe it? He unfollowed Kaio on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> poor poor Kyo gets diddled for Kelly's wild card. Then he gets diddled. He gets death threats for following the rules. He's had the worst year. It's just good thing he's got the hot and wine. He's going, to, and he's going bald. Yeah, not to mention his hairline. Yeah. He's a, he's a nice boy too. He is. He shreds. All right, good question. A uh, couple more. Two more questions. Let's do it. Oh, yeah, the name's Phil. G'day, Phil. Yeah, uh, Glendon's talking about family. I've got a very serious problem. Two of my sons have got new girlfriends and both sons say the girlfriend's a better surfer than I am. What, what am I going to do? Well, welcome to, the, welcome to the modern world, my friend. <laughs> Fuck, I don't know many girls who don't surf better than me. It's like, that's just, that's the way it's going, mate. Equal opportunity. As soon as the pay went equal... Women surf and jumped. If you want to, like, fucking listen to all the arguments online about people saying, why are they getting this when they don't do that? Well, fucking give them the same opportunity and you watch what happens. That's what I... Here, Phil, have a uh, gold cone piece as a consolation, mate. Drown your sorrows. All right, this is for uh, Glyndon and SR. What were you more stoked about? 
beating Torquay after a nine-year hiatus in the team's titles. No, this, this one's that. important though, listen to this. Or Sandy Ryan sinking 88 wild turkeys at the staff break-up on a Wednesday night. That's <laughs> the PIBC! I, I don't know if it... I don't, no, it would have been less than that, but... Um, don't kid yourself, <laughs> SR. Our break-up would have been tonight, but um, we, we got a better offer. <laughs> Over here. Oh, hey, and by the way... Can I just say the Stand fish... up, boys. Stand up. Give everyone a little please. The Fish Creek crew made their own goat T-shirts. Check this out. And... Spin around. Spin around. As the ultimate compliment, Kelly yeah, Slater... Yeah, duck goat. Oh, the goat. Kelly Slater actually put that on his Instagram tonight and went, oh, shit. Fish Creek represent. And can I also say we've got a, uh, a kneeboarding gamote in the room. Paulie O'Neill, fucking legend. Um, this is it. I've got a poem. Yes, I fucking love poems. Uh, it's for Tony and Glendon. Um, I love them to death. And I've been working on this poem a bit, but it's actually, uh, I've taken it from one of Jed's uh, things. So the poem's called... Things. Oh, sorry. Um, what was your thing, Jed? Like a... No, no, things is good. It's, okay. it's all so, good for, man. It's called... Carry on. Um, the, the poem's called It's Ring R, Brah. <laughs> It's ring R, brah. God, I'm struggling to read this without... <laughs> Who's got better eyes than me? Like um, actually, Jed, can you read it out? Yeah! yeah. yeah. Because you'd be better. I'll bring it up. My eyes are fucked. <laughs> it's ring a bra. A working class floor sander. IRB loves a barrelling left-hander. Oh, right. It's Ring Arbra, loves a barreling left-hander. Drove a jet ski to Tassie, which showed a lot of guts. Had a little bit of trouble with one of his nuts. (laughs) (laughs) It's Ring Arbra, it bells every year, come rain, hail or shine. It's Ring Arbra, who'll get you off the winky button every freaking time. (laughs) It's Ring Arbra. Got a perfect tenant chopes. It's ring our bra. Always happy, never mopes. It's ring a bra. Grew up in a South Pacific village. It's ring our bra. They would never rape, plunder, or pillage. <laughs> How do you know? Don't know what history books you're reading, but. Uh... <laughs> it's ring our bra. Down at cows shaping boards. It's ring our bra. They are islands. True core lords. Yeah. <laughs> Good on you, Paul. You are a king, sir. That is absolute gold cone piece award winning surf literature, my friend. Yeah, look, and for guys to wear fancy dress costumes to come as well, they've got it. It's for them. Good job, lads. And lovely poem. And it's all true. It's all it's solid. Folks, round of applause for the panel tonight. Quinn and Ringrose, Sandy Ryan, Richie Porter. Are you kidding me? Thanks for having us. T-shirts over here for sale. Let's get fucking have a few beers and have a good time tonight. Thanks for coming out. Up the swimmings.
be kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? This guy, are you kidding me? 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 Kidding me? Kidding me? Are you kidding me? You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. Jeez, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. 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 You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me, right? You gotta be kidding me. What? You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Come on, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? Kidding me? You kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? You kidding me? You kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You fucking kidding me. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me?